All right, Heather. Yes. A through Z. A through Z. Mm. J. Okay. That kind of fits into what I already had pre-planned. Um, <laughs> okay. Because I have a bunch of topics. I actually came prepared today. I was just thinking, how am I going to spin a J into this? Uh, we're going to start with a story about Jason Momoa. Okay. Okay. Fresh off Fast X. And this is Fast X related. Um, Vin Diesel is blaming Jason Momoa for the lackluster critical response to his movie. <laughs> he said, oh, no. Jason Momoa's God. overacting is why people are not liking the movie. He must not, he must have missed our podcast. He must have been the only one he missed. He yeah. must have missed every single person's <laughs> podcast, every single person's <laughs> review of the movie, everything. Exactly. What? I know. Everybody's like, he was the best thing about it. That's what most people I'm hearing are saying. He's the best thing about the movie. He's ruining the movie. Wow. Him and Ridley Scott can go and just be like, no, no, this is the reason. Yeah. This is why my movies aren't successful. But yeah, Vin Diesel is mad at Jason Momoa for overacting and ruining Fast X by being the best part of it. If he if he somehow writes him out of this next movie, I'm going to be really upset. He kind of can't. Um, also slightly J-themed. With Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Okay. Um, it was officially announced that yes, he is coming back to the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, it is completely official. It's not just that was like a teaser or something like that that may not happen. He is coming back to the franchise. He is also getting another Hobbs related spinoff movie. That is not a sequel to Hobbs and Shaw. This is just a Hobbs. Uh, okay. And it is also the next movie in the franchise to come out. It is coming out between Fast X and Fast X 2. Or whatever the fuck they're calling Fast and Furious 11. So essentially it's going to end with how the ending of this one happened. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But it's the next movie is his spinoff. Okay. That must have been part, part of, the, of deal. the deal. Yeah. It had to have been. Uh, in other news of people coming back to things they said they wouldn't come back to. Um, you guys know that Sex and the City spinoff? Yeah. Like, what's it called? As mm-hmm. the World Turns or something like that? <laughs> and just like that. Yeah, sure. It's called. Um, yeah. Uh, Kim Cattrall's coming back. You know what? That's huh. surprising. Um, they've already announced, even before the season's come out, they've already said what her role is. Uh, she is in a cameo in the last episode. Okay. Great. Okay. That way people will watch until the last episode because they want to see it. I think it's that slash they don't want to announce she's, they want to announce she's coming back, but they don't want people getting mad at them when she's not in most of the episodes leading up to the last one. I think they're just trying to set expectations for mm-hmm. this is what she's going to be. Like, don't get mad yeah. at us for nine episodes because she's not in it. She's <laughs> in the last one. 
And apparently it's a phone call with the other girls. Like they've literally said everything about it. Like that's the press release for Kim Cattrall coming back. I mean, I'll be honest. I did watch, I did watch that first season of it, even though honest moment, I've never actually seen any sex in the city, but I was like, you know what? Let's start fresh here. (laughs) Now I'm curious, but Jasper, did you watch the spinoff? Cause you did watch sex in the city. I didn't. See? I just heard you two flipped so many bad things. I avoided it. I mean, it's not. It's not good. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not my cup of tea. I should say, but mm. it was. I mean, I. I was like, you know what? I. I was interested enough to at least see how they ended it up. But all of that to say, they did make a lot of, like, just basically they, they left the door open for Kim Cattrall's character to come back. You know, they do kind of like reference her a lot in the first season and things like that. So it's not, you know, it's not going to feel completely out of nowhere, but it was just, it it felt like obviously they're doing that because she's not a part of the show anymore, but they still wanted her somehow involved. But yeah, so it's not that surprising, but it kind of is at the same time. I don't know. So for fans of As the Cookie Crumbles, Pretty much. There you it's go. about the same. Be excited about that. <laughs> um, it was announced today that uh, they're changing the name of Captain America 4. It was originally Captain America New World Order, and it has now changed its name to Captain America Brave New World. Hmm. Okay. I think I like the first one better, just off the title, but Okay. They might have changed that due to the fact that uh, New World Order has a few different connotations that may or may not be good. Um, I mean, one of them is obviously could be a reference to, you know, the WCW faction, the New World Order, Mm -hmm. the NWO. (laughs) That was my Um, first thought, honestly. Yeah. Another one, though, has to do with... uh, anti-Semitic propaganda talking about how Jewish people are going to, are trying to create a new world order that we are, you know, they are secretly trying to, you know, take us over and things like that, that, you know, or it could just, or, you know, new world order might not fit the theme of the movie. Maybe it's more about hope and progress and moving things forward and, you know, and all that other stuff instead of just kind of something like always nefarious or looming or, you know, something like that. Maybe thematically they were just like thinking about it and it doesn't fit. So could it be that too? Okay. Yeah. um, In other news today, Brian Singer, uh, accused sexual predator, Brian Singer, uh, announced that he is self-funding a, a documentary to prove how he's not a sexual predator. And I guess the four people in the world that watch that might believe it. I like how he had wow. to like tell people, I'm putting my own money into proving my innocence. <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's just, I think that that's kind of the most like, you know, obvious thing about it because who the fuck's actually going to pay that guy any money anyway at this point? Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's he's 
self-funding his own documentary to prove that he's not a sexual predator. Okay. Uh, so the innocence project, huh? something like that. <laughs> See how that goes. So that's a thing that's you can look forward to not watching at some point. Pretty much. And uh, finally, um, something that's not directly movie related, but could potentially be movie related at some point in the future. Um, Apple recently announced a new augmented reality uh, headset. They announced that yesterday. Comes out next year. Um, at first, I was like thinking this thing's pretty stupid. But now I'm not going to lie. I kind of want one. You know, they're, oh, yeah. they're going to be available for that low, low price of $3,500. Uh, but like the reason why I, I kind of want it is to watch movies on. I think that that'd be a very unique experience because like the way it works and stuff like that, you can like make your movie appear bigger, you know, like than just a normal TV screen and stuff like that. You can make it appear and perspective wise, like bigger than the room you're in. So you could take that a movie pretty cool. that you're watching you know, like on the, you know, that would be on a TV or something like that. And instead proportionally make it as big as a movie screen and stuff like that. That is pretty cool. pretty cool. Yeah. With like spatial audio and like better sound quality and all that stuff. So like things like that, I'm like, Oh man, that actually seems kind of intriguing to do. <laughs> Plus I think it'll just reinvigorate uh, watching porn. I think that that's something that it could just have numerous great things for. Yeah. It'd be kind of like Demolition Man. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Basically. I just think that the things you could do with that, with digital sex, I think is great. So I think that's another thing. It's still $3,500. I'm like, geez, that makes me want one a little less. Because I've got other things I need to get for that same amount of money. But not going to lie. I kind of want one. I just, (laughs) I think it'd be kind of fun to sit there and watch a movie like that, you know, or like to watch TV like that or something like that. Because you could still see past it. You can keep it to where it's like in your room and stuff, but like they also have it set up to where you can like make it seem like you're, you know, like in a almost movie theater-esque room. And like I said, you can blow up the screen, you can change the size of this or that. And I'm like, how cool would it be to watch something like, like everything everywhere all at once, or even this movie that we just talked, we're about to talk about uh, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. In, like, your own personal IMAX. Yeah. And you don't have to, you don't have to hear, like, little kids. (laughs) You know, you don't have to deal with any other people. It's, like, your own personal IMAX. That just seems really cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Yeah. Maybe they should do rentals, just like rent it out for a weekend or something so people can afford it. I'm just thinking, I got two kidneys. I only need one. (laughs) And I've been drinking a lot of water lately. 
So like, these are probably the healthiest my kidneys are going to be for the rest of my life. Might as well take advantage of that and get rid of one of them. For the cause. Yeah. To have my own personal IMAX. Although you wouldn't necessarily have the, the theater popcorn. That would be the only thing. Bullshit. You can buy to-go popcorn from I- AMC. It's $15. Okay, they give you a big old bag of popcorn. Okay. Stop there. Pick one of those up on my way home from work. And then just have a night. Like, dude, <laughs> That's a very ideal experience for you, I feel it's like. It's Friday. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to get off, get off work. Go stop and give me some AMC popcorn. Big old bag of it. And then watch some IMAX in the comfort of my own home. Just saying. Sounds delightful. And Disney Plus has already announced that they will be day one launch available on it. With their 4K content. So you can just have 4K content in your face. (laughs) So, just saying. I'm intrigued. Sorry, I had a cat whose claws were digging into my thigh. Um, Yeah, but that's all I got. I was very prepared, but they just weren't that big of topics. Or that in-depth of topic. It's a good one, though. A lot of stuff this week. Yeah, not bad. I'll try to be more prepared going forward. I won't guarantee it, but I'll try. That's okay. And on that note, here's our theme song. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we're going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new movie, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We will go uh, spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section. With time codes in the description to allow you to jump around both the audio and video formats of this here podcast. And with all that, we have to start with our resident Spider-Man fan himself. Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse? Thought you were talking about Heather. I know, um, right? I'm surprised you don't actually have like a Spider-Man costume you put on for this. <laughs> <laughs> or a shirt or something. I thought about it. I bought the uh, Spider-Verse cup whenever I saw the movie. I thought about maybe having it or showing it, but eh, I was like, eh. And surprisingly, I don't have any Spider-Man shirts. I don't really have. That is surprising. I got hella comics and graphic novels and all that good stuff, but no, like, merch, merch. Um so maybe I need to 
get on that. I, surely there are some tanks out there. I can get with Spidey on it. I can. You know, there's some Spidey tanks somewhere. Yeah, somewheres. But anyway, um, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I think I may have a new favorite Spider-Man movie. Like, I was blown away by this, guys. Like, to me, this is not just the best comic book movie to come out this year or maybe even in a while. But honestly, I, I think that this is probably one of the best movies of the year. I don't care what you're talking about. Comic book, real life, animated. To me, this has got to be one of the top movies of the year. It, it, it was that good to me. Like, I really enjoyed the first movie, Into the Spider-Verse. But to me, this was just so excellently crafted like all of the things that they did with the artwork and the animation in the first one they execute tenfold in this one uh, to where even the color the background what you're looking at everything seems to be telling a story everything seems to be just lining up artistically with what we're doing with the character so I, this was such a visual feast. Like, I can't state that enough. Like, every scene, they were doing something different with the colors or doing something with, like, the shots, the angles, everything like that. So, it was just a feast for the eyes. Like, nothing ever seemed the the same whenever you were looking at a character speak or two characters talk to each other and it almost felt like there was just this constant flow. Like the movie just constantly seemed to be in motion, even when it would slow down and we would just be like, have two characters talking. It always felt like it was moving. Even the dialogue to me was engaging and fun. You you know, like even so, even when the characters weren't moving, moving, it always felt like this story was. And I think that that's just really a testament to just how well crafted this was. Um, Man, all of the voice acting was great. It it was great in the first movie, but it's great in this too. All the other Spider-Man that we're introduced to, um, all of them were really cool, especially like, of course, we're introduced to like, you could argue, hundreds of them but the main ones that were introduced to that that had voices and got to kind of have um significant dialogue in this i thought that everybody showed up i thought that everybody did well um i'm I'm trying to speak without saying any spoilers i just want to talk about specific things so much but it's hard to not spoil it so i think i'll just leave it there the story man was so good. I, I was just so engaged in this. I that they just had me the whole time. I there, there was just never a time where I drifted off or got lost. And the movie is feeding you information 
so frantically and so fast, but, but so like, it was fun to try to keep up with it all. There are panels with words flying at you and you're trying to keep up with that. You're also trying to keep up with what's happening on screen and we're seeing different things and different art styles and everything's just changing. And it was so youthful and energetic and just fun, which is exactly what I think Spider-Man is supposed to be, you know, it, it, they, they definitely just captured that. Um, and, and then the story, and it's interesting because we were just doing the review on fast 10 and we were talking about the length of that movie and the fact of, was it too long to have a cliffhanger ending? And we were talking about like how, in a way, ineffective, the cliffhanger was. And then we get to something like this, which is about the same length as Fast 10. It might be a little longer. I don't know. I need to, I don't know the specifics of that, but it's about, the. it's over two hours. It's about similar to Fast 10. But this cliffhanger was so effective. Like, I was just like, wow. Like, the way that they did it, the clues that they gave you, Everything, everything in this story kind of comes around to the end. And even though it ends on a cliffhanger, it was so effective in getting emotions out of me and getting me to care about what was happening to the characters and everything. And somebody, um, whenever I kind of put a little um, feeler out, a little feeler post out, just asking what people thought about this, somebody said that that was probably the most effective cliffhanger since Empire Strikes Back. And when I first heard that, I kind of chuckled. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, what are, what have been some effective cinema cliffhangers? And I thought about John Wick 2 with the excommunicado. I thought about like Infinity War. I guess you could say with everybody getting snapped and stuff like that, I would say that's a top cliffhanger. You know, I was trying to think about other stuff and I thought about this and I was like, damn man, he might be right. Like this, this could legit be argued. Like I I thought that it was very effective with how it cliff on the story. And even if there were parts of it that you saw coming, I love that it gave you so many clues and so many things added up to where we got in that cliffhanger that at the end, I wasn't even mad at it. I was just like, wow, man, like checking my phone, like when does Beyond the Spider-Verse come out? You know, and thank goodness we're not going to have to wait that long. I believe it's 2024. So we're not going to have to wait that long. It's next March. Okay, great, great. Yeah, so March of 2024. So that's not that long of a wait. But yeah, man, why is this more effective at doing a multiverse than like all of the MCU stuff that we got, that we've gotten so far with their multiverse? And it's just like everything they're doing with this is just so effective. The characters, the story how it all relates to what the characters are doing. It's just, and it's fun. It's funny. And I mean, you just care about everybody in this. And like, I I mean, honestly, that's all I'll say. And I'll stop for now. I've got a lot I got to say in the spoilers, but man, 
this was so enjoyable. It was so much fun. Even my second time watching this, it was fun uh, picking up on things that I maybe missed visually the first time, little Easter eggs I didn't see the first time. Like it was even fun on a second watch. And I can, I think I can honestly say with confidence that this is one of the best movies of the year. It's one of the most fun times I have had just enjoying a movie, not only because of what it was doing with, with how I was enjoying it for my Spider-Man fandom, but also just the part of me that just loves movies and, and the, and, and how artistic they can be and how creative they can be and just how they can capture your imagination. This did all of that too. So yeah, one of the hands down, one of the best films of the year so far for me. Uh, before you, Heather, I just want to say uh, Fast X is one minute longer than this movie. Okay. All right. So I was on point with that See, statement. Okay, apparently cool. you hit two hours, 20 minutes. Cliffhanger's okay. One minute longer? <laughs> Cliffhanger's rubbish. Yeah. Rubbish. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> uh, what about you, Heather? Um, I don't know. For me, this movie was only okay. No, I'm just kidding. This movie was super good. <laughs> um, I I actually missed out like the first time around when you guys talked about this movie, the first movie. And so I didn't actually see um, Into the Spider-Verse until very recently uh, for the first time. And I'm glad that I watched it more closely to this one because it was nice to sort of feel like, oh, it's just one continued story sort of in a way. So um yeah, it, it was so good. And like, I, and it's weird to me because as much as I love the like Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, like I, and I loved like the storytelling of it and all of that. I really think that this movie, both of them, but this one particularly, like just the way they were telling the story was so intriguing the entire time. Like there's no beat miss, you know, there's no boring part of this movie. Like it just kind of draws you in from like the very first minute until the very end. Like you're not just kind of like, all right, this movie's dragging or anything. Yeah. So it's very weird to me that this is the same almost exact time length as Fast 10 (laughs) because like the way that you feel it in Fast 10 is kind of brutal. But in this, you're just like, that's it. Oh man, like <laughs> I want more of it. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you, Jason. This movie is excellent. It's so good. And like just the different types of animation that they're doing throughout, you know, kind of jumping to different ways that they do it. It just, even visually, like it's, it's just kind of like a senses treat, a treat to your senses in all ways, like visually speaking and just the storytelling aspect of it, like everything about it is so um, like top notch. (laughs) Like this is how you tell an intricate story without it being confusing. Like it's not even confusing. Like you're following it's, it's an interesting idea, but you're also able to just follow it without being like, what are you talking about? You're just like, Oh, okay. You know, you're right on board with it. They just really know how to tell a story with this movie. Um, So yeah, I really, really enjoyed it a lot. So I'm, I'm kind of sad that I was late to the, into the Spider-Verse train. 
I know you guys judged me for like a whole year for that, but <laughs> well, a it's been a lot of years, and b yeah, it's not like we you didn't know. We told you to watch it. <laughs> I know, and somehow it just didn't get on the top of my list to watch until recently. So I was like, all right, I got to do it because the new one's coming out, and I'm so glad that like I ended up watching it. Like it's it's so good. Everything about it's great. But just yeah, the different um the different types of Spider-Man that you see here and just the different worlds that they have. It's all just really cool. Like you're almost just like every one of these Spider-Man I'd watch a spin-off movie of. Like it just seems like it would be really cool stories from each one of them. Um so yeah, I really they were great. The voice acting is so good. Like it's so so good. I feel like I mean, I'm I've always been a Haley Steinfeld fan, like I've always really liked her, but the way that she just delivers a line is just, it's insane. Like it's kind of the equivalent in a way of Tom Holland to me. Like, I think he delivers lines in a way that I'm just like, who even are you? Like, and that's how I feel about her, especially like, I don't know. There's just some kind of conviction in the things that she says. And you just believe every single line that she says in this movie. It's so good. Um, yeah. And all of them, honestly, I mean, there, there's just some really great characters that you get to meet. And um, it's just fun for me to kind of see the movie and then go and be like, who was that? Like, what actor was that playing that voice and stuff like that? It was really fun to do that. So, yeah, I mean, this was great action. It was great storytelling, beautiful, beautiful animation. And it was funny when it needed to be funny. It was serious when it needed to be serious. It just hit all the beats that you wanted to hit. Soundtrack is phenomenal. Both of the soundtracks of both of these movies are phenomenal. But yeah, everything was just really top notch. I honestly just have zero bad things I can say about this movie. This movie is the best Spider-Man movie to ever be made. This movie is the best superhero movie ever made. This movie is the best comic book movie ever made. This right here, a movie like this, is why a movie like Mario kind of made me mad. Just because your movie's animated don't, doesn't mean that it, it just has to be kid shit and that it just has to be nostalgia shit. Like, yeah. you can have an animated movie that just fucking connects with any age range on just a fundamental level with just storytelling and style and just the way you make your movie. This movie was just almost perfection when it came to storytelling in traditional ways and non-traditional ways. You got elements of story just off the way they animated the characters in different scenes. You got aspects of story because this isn't really a spoiler. There's portals to other multiversal places throughout the movie. The way they stylized the portals 
gave you insight into the world that it was connecting to or the, the, the Spider-Man it was connected to or however you want to word it. Like they were able to fold those things into it. I've ragged on movies before for, oh, you have to watch it twice to really get it. I don't like that. I should be able to get it in the first go. But this movie doesn't do that. This movie invites you to watch it a second time. Just to pick up on little things you missed. Little nuances. You don't miss the story. But you might miss a particular Spider-Man here or there. You know, you might miss this little guy in the background here. You might miss this little thing here. And it becomes this fun visual, like, where's Waldo Spider-Man? from the past all wrapped up into this. I mean, this movie, no, I can't say that it's a spoiler. Um, but I mean, this movie just, it takes everything you love about into the spider verse. And it goes, cool. We're just going to do it better this time. Oh, you liked really cool animation. We're going to do that same animation and even more animations. Oh, you liked this story? We're going to do a good multiversal story. Oh, you liked this? We're going to do that more. You liked this awesome soundtrack? We're going to hit you with a better one. This movie just took the formula for a great movie and just went, hey, we're going to take that formula and then add a a times 10 at the end of that formula. And just amplify the fuck out of all of it. And I've got some theories, Justin, on why this cliffhanger works and Fast X didn't. Because, you know, you invest in the story. It's because Jason Momoa didn't ruin this movie. That's really the problem. Maybe that too. (laughs) You didn't have Jason Momoa being the best thing in the movie and ruining it. (laughs) Um, But no, it, it shows that if you actually have an effective story, you have characters... Uh, that you effectively integrate into the story to make you care about the next part of the story. I, I hate to break it to Vin Diesel. I'm not afraid that Dom Toretto might die before the last two movies of the franchise. So making me think Dom Toretto might die, I don't give a fuck. Because he's not. That's just, you know, common sense. And in this movie, it doesn't make you think that someone's going to die at the end of it. I mean, that might be a spoiler. My bad. But what it does is it, it puts characters in a situation that you're curious as to how they're going to get out of it. it. It hits you on that level. You know, you've got a good idea of who's going to get out of what and all this other stuff, but but you don't know how yet. So that's what you're intrigued by. That's what you're waiting for. And there's a couple other notes that I think you might be correct, Justin, with with what you were talking about that that one person said on your Facebook. When you hear... It might be the best cliffhanger since 
Empire Strikes Back. It sounds crazy. Sounds preposterous. Sounds like somebody's just telling a joke. Might be accurate as fuck, though. Dude, then you start thinking about it and you go, what's better? And I can't think of much. <laughs> I don't think in-game was. I knew I was I was low on in-game, though. Yeah. But this one, it's because, like, I wasn't worried about the in-game ending because I'm like, well, actor contracts dictate what's going to happen. I mean, that's... This isn't something that actor contracts can help you figure out. Yep. This is purely a narrative cliffhanger. I won't declare it so right now, but. There's an argument for it. Oh, there's and a- what happens is more on the level of what happened in Empire. Sort of. Yeah. What, the way it happens is more in line with how things happened in Star Wars. Just the the, the shock of it, the relationship with these characters, things like that. It is more in line with an Empire cliffhanger than it was with something like an Infinity War cliffhanger. Yeah. So. Like I said, I don't know if I'm ready to declare it better than that because you're also going up against what is arguably considered cinema's best cliffhanger of all time. But... As far as I'll go right now, I'll say, I ain't going to argue with you if you say it. It can sit at the table. It's got to sit at the table. He said it's the best one since then, right? Is that what he said? Yeah, he just said the best one since Empire. I'm going a step further with it, I guess. I'm I'm trying to figure out if it's better than Empire or not. It's definitely one of the best ones since then. If you just want to go since then, I mean, you can maybe argue the end of Matrix 2. I Mm. say that the beginning of Matrix 3 kind of ruins the end of Matrix 2, though, retrospectively speaking. Yeah. And I was, and now that you say that, I was just about to say, do we need to wait and see what happens in the third one? Is that going to be the determining factor? I think you can. But at the same time, the first one is so good and the second one's so good. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I just don't think they're going to fumble the ball. Yeah. I don't either. No way. No way. Yeah, no. I don't see that happening. Because they've been too spot on. You know what I mean? Like for them to just forget how to, I don't know, write a story now would just be crazy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, this movie is probably almost to me the shortest two hour and 20 movie I've ever seen. If they had just kept going and done Beyond the Spider-Verse right after, as much as I hate long movies, I might have been on for that ride, man. I just, 
if they just kind of kept going, if it's that good of a quality, you don't care. I feel like that's the highest praise that you specifically can give a movie. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of sad it ended. They could they could have just kept going. Yeah. And to me, it also shatters this whole kind of theory about people are tired of comic book movies or the comic or the superhero fatigue and stuff like that. I just think what is the, to me, the, the more truth is, is that we just haven't been getting anything of this quality. There is nothing of this quality that that's just the truth of it. When you get something of this quality, you will like it and stick with it and be intrigued by it and want to see more of it. You know, dude, if- I mean, if I of all people am saying that this is my favorite Spider-Man movie, you know, it's got to be good. Like <laughs> as much as I love the other ones and as much as animation, like hardly is ever my favorite of anything. If I'm saying that this is like the best one, I think that it's saying something about that movie. I mean, I'm just. I'm mind boggled by this movie. Because I'm just, I'm watching it and I, I think one of my, my favorite scenes in this whole movie, it's a slight spoiler. I won't go into that depth yet, but revolves around the character of the spot and just the way it gets so existential with the story and so unorthodox with the animation was just visually and narratively damn near perfect. Like you would just, you were watching stuff happen and you were feeling things and you were hearing things and you're connecting the dots in the story. And it's just almost breathtaking what they, how they were able to combine all those elements like that. I mean, I don't know. I just, I think March is too long, man. Why can't they have this shit coming out in like December? <laughs> you can't like, you can't come with a movie this good and make me wait nine fucking months for the next one. That's like against the Geneva convention. That is unconstitutional. That is the definition of cruel and unusual punishment. But fuck, this was a good time at the movies. And I think I think you brought something up. I didn't think about it before. But as soon as you said said it, I got a theory, Justin. When you were talking about why is this so much better than, say, something like the MCU as a whole at doing a multiversal story. And I think it's the same reason why Everything Everywhere All at Once did too. Your entire multiversal story is still grounded around a focal point character. The multiverse as a whole is not grounded around that character. But your perspective and your story is. So it kind of helps it from being a mess. Or having too many focal points. Or all this stuff like. You're not worried about this character from this multiverse thing. And this character from this. And will they meet up in nine movies down the road? Or will this, you know what I mean? You don't have all of those points. You've got a good focal point. So narratively, 
it's a lot easier to tell the story and construct the story and make everything flow better. When you have that focal point to help build your story around. Instead of your focal point being the multiverse. You can shrink your story a little bit. And have this character just be your conduit to perceive the multiverse. Instead of having these characters see this part and then two movies later, these characters are seeing this part, but it's not related to that other part other than the fact that it's multiverse. But then, you know, this person sees part of one story, but then also sees part of this other new stuff. It it becomes more jumbled. You get a focal point to help just narrow the lens as a narrative story while still being able to keep the scope of the multiverse massive. I mean, there's like thousands of spider people in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like what it does well is you don't feel like it's doing all of the things just to get to this specific end point. I mean, obviously there is an end point to what they're doing and all of that, but like, it feels like it's just a story that they're telling to give you all of the details instead of, all right, we know this is how we want to end it. So we just got to put some stuff together to make it end there. You know what I mean? Or to make this the the big thing about it. And it just felt like it was just telling a complete story of the multiverse and of the characters that they, that you see. And I think that that might be a little bit of why it does it better too. Yeah. I think your point about the focus of a central character and the focus narrative using something like the multiverse, I think it is a good point because right now when you look at the MCU and the state of it, we've got little tidbits about the multiverse and there have been some characters that have delved in it or this, that, and the other, but then there's just a lot of stuff that's that comes out and it's self-contained or there's no contact with the multiverses. There's no mention of it or there's some stuff where nothing happens at all. And and then even sometimes when you're seeing previews of stuff, it doesn't look like it's really going to involve anything with the multiverse or anything like the, like the Marvels. I, I, I didn't see anything multiversal really about it. And then, now that doesn't mean it's not going to tie in, but it's not like this other stuff that I was watching and this Marvel's movie is going to be some sort of lead in to explain everything I've seen thus far. It doesn't feel like that. And right now it just doesn't feel very cohesive. Now, could they turn that around? Maybe, but it's like you said, there's got to be so many characters, so many moving parts. We've introduced all these other characters. We still got some of the older characters. We don't know what they're doing either. It just feels like, and we got a lot of stuff in this past phase, but still we're not, but it still sort of feels like we're at the beginning sort of, of understanding this thing. That's how I feel anyway. I still feel like, we're kind of at the beginning of it. And I guess that's the point. Should we feel like that? This, I feel like the third movie is going to do what it needs to do. Like, I feel like I'm right where I need to be with this Spider-Verse saga. I feel like I'm exactly where they want me. 
And then the third is going to do what it needs to do. But I don't know when I'm going to feel like that with the MCU. And now you got actor controversies. You got some actors and actresses talking shit about the, the movies they were in. And you just got all this other stuff. It feels very, very much in disarray at the moment. And, and, and then this comes out and it's just like damn near perfect. I, I mean, it's just, and so like you just wonder if anything we get from there will ever reach the quality of this. And I don't know. I don't even know if it's possible because what they did with the animation of this, I don't know if it's possible to do something like this with live action. I I don't know. Yeah. So I'm just kind of in this place where it's like, am I seeing the the best multiversal comic book storyline I'm going to get? You know, so if, if, if and so and so it's a kind of a dreary feeling to think that it could all go down from here, <laughs> you know, but that's a very real possibility. I mean, that's the sad thing about it. We're about to get into the heart of the multiversal stuff at some point with the MCU. You would assume, I mean, we're supposed to get there at some point, right? In five and six, somewhere right. there, we're going to get into it. <laughs> I don't think they're going to hit this. I just, I don't like it's unfortunately the MCU got out marveled by a Sony animated movie twice. It's and how ironic is that freaking Sony, the same people, these, this is the same company that gave us the venoms and Morbius and all of that and kind of stuff. Upcoming like Craven and the Madam yeah. web movies. And all the shit you don't give a fuck about somehow, they're just knocking it out of the fucking park when it comes to these fucking Spider-Verses. Like, what the hell is this, man? It's (laughs) it's Lord and Miller, the writers. They Mm. are fucking great writers. They also wrote the Lego movie. Um, Mm. They've done a ton of fucking writing for shit. And I Mm. think that that's what kind of seals the deal on this. They just kind of know what the fuck they're doing. So would you say that before this movie that you felt that same way about Into the Spider-Verse? That it was the best one they had done and your favorite one and all that? It was up there. I mean, yeah, we we, we sang praises all day about that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one still just comes in and just kind of fucking wins. Yeah. Somehow it just... See, I'm 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 looking up uh stuff that Lord and Miller did. They've been producers on a bunch of shit too. Um they directed the twenty one jump street movies, the new ones, which were really good. Okay. Yeah, uh, they were good. The first cloudy with the chance of meatballs. They did that. Okay. They yeah. did the Lego movie, the original Lego movie. Which is great. Lego um, movie was awesome. They were they were the creators of the storyline essentially behind Little Big Planet for all you video game people out there. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Uh 
Yeah, they've just kind of, it's the Lego movie shit too. Like, yeah, they just kind of know what the fuck they're doing with that shit, man. Like, and, uh, you know, and mm, we need to move on because I want to get to spoilers. Uh, recommendations and scores. Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. Yeah, I certainly recommend it. I honestly can't think of a type of like movie watcher I know that wouldn't enjoy this in some form. Um, it's so good. It's so well done. Story is captivating. The animation is captivating. Everything about it is so beautiful. Like, it's just, it's so good. Like, it honestly is almost a flawless movie, in my opinion. Like, it's just really, really good. So, yeah, I, I would say for sure, watch it. Um, and, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, there's just something special about these. Did the, the same guys wrote both of them, right? I imagine both were yeah. written by the same people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's just something special about these set of movies. Like it, there, it's so just thoughtful and thought out and there, there's just a purpose to every thing that you see, everything that is said, everything in the story is just very thoughtful and feels very planned out in a natural way, if that makes sense. Like, again, like I was saying, you don't feel like they're just doing things to get to a specific point in the movie so you just have to put a bunch of stuff in like the whole thing is an entire story that is so well told and just a full well-rounded story so and then the way the the people who do the voices they're all spot on every one of them is just so so good um yeah I recommend it I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it 96 um I want to hang out with Hobie Brown out of 100 uh, Justin, what about you? Yeah, it's going to get the the best possible recommendation for me. Um, it's super entertaining. It's fun. It's beautiful to look at. And it's just done with a real love for Spider-Man and comic books and 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 the history of all of that and just it's just done with a real love and a youthful energy so it was just a blast to watch and like i said even the second time i watched it i enjoyed it and there are some friends asking me do i want to come again and you know what i'm probably going to go with them and watch it a third time i'm probably going to wind up in there watching it a third time that that's how good i feel about this it's great man and to me, it's one of the best movies of the year, if not the best movie of the year. It's definitely the most fun I have had watching a movie all year. I just was captivated from beginning to end. It's like, and, and I just can't say enough about what how just visually stunning it looks. It's like you see that beautiful person and you're like, man, and you just have to look for an extended period of time. And you're like, man, I didn't know a person could look that good. Well, this is kind of like that. Like you're just, your eyes are just 
wide open. Like I felt like there were just times and moments where I didn't even blink because I was just afraid I would miss something or miss some detail. I was just so enthralled with what I was seeing, what I was hearing. It's just an amazing, an amazing movie. Like this is why we sign up to go to movies. You want your imagination captured. You want to see something uh, just imaginative and creative and just you want to walk out feeling like you had an experience, not just that that you watched a movie, but you had an experience. And this movie, it did that. Last year, maybe that was Top Gun and a few other movies. This year, it's this. So you got to go see it. And I have the exact same score as you, Heather, because I gave, I want to say I gave Into the Spider-Verse 95 So I was going to go a point. I'll give it two points. Fuck it. I'll give it two points higher. So we'll go 97. um, 97 uh, spots talking about his holes and making other people uncomfortable out of 100. This movie to me kind of combines two of the best movies from last year into one. With everything everywhere all at once and Top Gun. Like the uniqueness and the humor and the the visual just grandeur that was everything everywhere all at once. And just the pure cinematic enjoyment of Top Gun Maverick. It's it's the best of both those worlds. It's Yeah, that's true. It's a crazy story with crazy visuals and just so much going on and just like visually and, and narratively and not in a cluttered way. It's just there's a lot of depth to everything going on. But then this is also just that pure cinematic magic of this is what separates movies apart from other storytelling devices like this is what even can set a movie apart from a comic what they were able to do in this you know if you had a single comic artist trying to draw the panels like they were doing all the different animation styles god i'd feel so bad for that man yeah and it and it wouldn't have been as effective as just seeing that like you know, like there's a scene where it's just like on Spider Gwen's face and she's got her like little piercing. And then it goes from like one thing and then it cuts back to her. And like the, the little glow that they put on the piercing that was like blue, kind of like overlapping ink colors, they moved it to a different side or like moved it over a little bit so it wasn't on the piercing still. And it was just so visually intriguing. You couldn't do that in a, like comics like that. Like, oh, that would, you know, it'd probably drive that artist nuts and all these other things. But like, God, I, I kind of like after watching this movie, I kind of expect Tom Cruise to be in a little thing before Beyond the Spider-Verse to just tell us this is why we go to the movies again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is why. He's Tom like, Cruise. I'm not even in this movie, but this is why we go. Yeah, this is why we go to the movies. <laughs> yeah. This is why we make this shit. Instead of his ex-wife, God, just Nicole Kidman, just quit showing up before my movies. 
Oh, come on. Nobody has a problem with Nicole. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen her like 150 something times before my movies. I'm tired of it. Just go away, Nicole. Um, but fuck, I mean, I don't remember what score I gave Spider-Verse. I, re- I know it was in the 90s. I don't remember what I gave it. Uh, I'll go there. This is a 99. This is a 99 spider cats spitting spider web hairballs in your face. <laughs> that was pretty great. Yeah. I knew you'd get a kick out of that. Out of 100. Uh, that makes our official Cinescore for this movie a whopping, dare I say groundbreaking, 97. Definitely wow. the highest score for sure. I think so. I can't remember the be. last time we were all just like in except for John Wick something. John, I think yeah, just John except, Wick. Yeah, Wick. Yeah, that'd be the But it yeah. wasn't as high as this. It had to have been maybe lower mid nineties, but yeah. still up there. John Wick was up there. Um but even then we were, we had slight disagreements about it. And we didn't yeah. really have any disagreements about this. <laughs> it's fucking great. Um I would like to think you would have agreed with us about Dungeons and Dragons, Justin. I was going to say as much as like, Mm. as far as enjoyment in a movie theater this year goes, it would be this movie and then Dungeons and Dragons because that was such a fun movie for sure. I need to see that. I need to quit being in English and see that. It's in the iTunes, Justin. Whenever you want, you can watch that fucking movie. Just saying. Whenever you want. Um, Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. It's time. I saw this on TikTok. It's a very important question I have to ask you guys. Do you think it's a problem in this movie that there's so few white people? No. Can't say I thought about it, so no. no. (laughs) thought I'd ask this one guy. Huge problem with it. Had a huge problem with it. He's like, there's like two white people in this whole movie. And I'm like, well, you're wrong. Like, statistically, you're wrong. There are thousands of Spider-Men, and most of them are white guys. Most of them are white yeah. guys named yeah. Peter fucking Parker. Yeah. That T-Rex was white. You know it. Right. <laughs> I'm kind of like, he had no problem with the the T-Rex Spider-Man or the cat Spider-Man, Spider-Cat. Like... I was just like, you know, there's too few white people. Is that really it? Like knowing that almost every version of Peter Parker out there is a white man. And there were hundreds, if not thousands of Peter Parkers running around. I mean, what, just because they didn't show their white faces? Really? Like, really? (laughs) Like, that's the level we're on now. You sit there and just... Get mad at one of the best possible movies you could be watching at that time. Because there's not enough white faces in it. That is reaching for a problem. Yeah. Like it's, it's also like, why do you sit there and just want to deny yourself the simple pleasure of watching a fantastic fucking movie? Why? Why do you just not want to enjoy a movie? Right. Like... And it's not even like two of the main characters in the movie are 
white. So, and I think those are the only two he remembers. You know, yeah, like okay, Even but they were also the main characters, like or two of them. Yeah, like what? I just, I was like, I'm sorry about the diversity, sir. This is not the movie for you. But that's the thing is it's not even like, I just, why, why bother with that energy? Like, there are so many places. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to word this how I want it. It's like, why, like I said, why deny yourself this? Just, just to have that take. And it's one of those things where you have to try so hard to even go that far. Like the amount of energy you have to waste just living to do that is mind boggling (laughs) to me. Right. And then you, and I'm talking about just in general in life. To just be caught up on those, that type of thing so much in life that you get stuck like that. But then also. You know what I think, Sterling? I bet he's the one guy that uh, gave Get Out a bad review. He's probably that same guy. (laughs) I don't know. There was way more white people in that than this, apparently. Apparently. But like. I mean, I don't know. It's just. That's like just, I don't know. It's just, it seems so extra. And then also to like watch this movie and all the greatness that is this movie and just go, Ugh, not enough white people. In Brooklyn, by the way. So, you know. Not even, I just, I'm, that's just. That's baffling. It's just extra <laughs> hard. Like, I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't know why you would want to take something that's just so fundamentally enjoyable and then just to hate it because not white people, not, not enough. He, I want to know, I guess I, he needs to make more videos because I guess I need to know what quota, what number of white people need to be in a movie to specifically make it enjoyable. He, he needs a privilege meter. So, right. and I guess so that you can, you know, so it yeah, can be yeah. measured. And it's got to go off it, a certain you know, level. He can give it a six on the privilege scale and maybe that's acceptable enough for. I feel like even if this, like in general, do you think a, a movie that's set in, Nueva York, first of all, or Brooklyn, either one, are going to be just only white people? Like, really? In his <laughs> mind, yes. Um, and also that no other, like, the multiverse only has white people? Is that what he also thinks? But I mean, to me, that's the thing, though, is like, if your Spider-Man is Peter Parker, it's a fucking white guy. And there were so many of them. So many of them. So many. But also, this is a, this is not a Peter Parker story. It's a Miles Morales story. Miles Morales Correct. is a biracial Spider-Man. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, so, what? 
why wouldn't you expect other people of color in this? Like, well, I just don't understand. I mean, and that's the thing, though, too, is it's not like in either one of these movies, there has also not just been a white fucking Peter Parker that's just whole ass in the movie. Just yeah. in the movie. And that there's not some pale, blonde-headed fucking Gwen Stacy just in the whole fucking movie. Like, that's what is mind-boggling to me, is that the three main characters of this movie, two of them are white. You still have the majority of main characters, and you're like, oh, not enough white. I just thought you would have fun talking about that. Um, That's just the weirdest complaint to have of all time. That's super weird. uh, Back to the actual movie, though. Uh, No, but that scene, when Spot kind of realizes of, like, going to those colliders and, like, throughout the multiverse and, like, taking their energy to become the all-consumingness and all that other stuff, and it just shows him, like, that big black swirling like almost looks like it was painted or like drawn with a uh, like a crayon yeah like it looked hand drawn yeah it was it was that it was and it had the texture of like almost like i said almost like wax or colored pencils or something and just oh man that scene just almost almost killed me for lack of me breathing because my breath was taken so many times almost passed out in the movie theater. It was just so fucking gorgeous. And that monologue, and it was Jason Schwartzman, just that right tone of voice and just sitting there, just doing that monologue while it's doing that. I was like, that was so fucking good. I liked I liked how every time they did the portals, like I said, who it was either whoever was doing the portal or wherever they were going. The portal had the textures an animation style of where you were going. I thought that that was such a cool little touch. Yeah. One thing I found out about, what's his name? Hoagie? Hobie. Hobie. Mm -hmm. Um, The spider punk. One of the ways they achieved his aesthetic was different parts of his body were animated at different frame rates. It was so dope. To kind of give him a little bit more distortion. And a little bit more of a uh, kind of a raw feel, like to kind of in, inhabit that the punkness of Spider Punk. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, but I was like, who the fuck thinks about taking a single animated character and animating different parts of the body at different frame rates, just to give yeah right the texture that they drew him at more texture. That's fucking mind-boggling. That is science. Like, that is like black magic. That's unbelievable. They are doing sorcery. (laughs) (laughs) It's very, yeah, that's crazy. But that's fucking great. And and that's the thing. Yeah. As soon as I found that out, I was like, that's why he looked the way he did. But that's also why he looked so great. Like, it, it, because... They did such a great job of making every character 
feel just completely individualized just by just changing the animations on different characters. And it also speaks to maybe not, maybe not the chaotic nature of the character, but the anti-establishment of the character. He doesn't like systems. He doesn't like for things to be structured. He doesn't like the structure. He doesn't like to be pinned down by these rules and morals and be made to do these things and stuff like that. So it's almost very fitting that his art style is all of these different things. It's just breaking all the rules. There's no, there's no like, there, there's depth in his, in his lack of continuity, like, like the way that they animated him. And it all speaks to the character that he was. It's actually genius. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, also, it 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 gives you insight to the character just visually. Like it kind of just it 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 adds depth and and realness to a character that's hand drawn and or that's animated without just narrating the story or having some character give exposition on the background of the character, all that other stuff. It just informs you about the character's mentality without doing like flashcards or something to explain it. And that's, what's so great about it, you know, but they do that with all the characters, like Gwen Stacy, like the way they animate her versus the way they animate other characters and all this stuff, like the way they animate her in her own world versus how they animate her versus Miles Morales whenever she's in his universe and all those things. Like there's different ways they take these characters and they kind of mold them slightly different every time they're in a different universe whilst keeping the things from their universe that kind of make them a little bit uniquely textured and stuff. And so they took all those things that were so cool about the way they animated the characters and into the Spider-Verse, and they just fucking amplified it. Every character felt just a little bit different. Oh, man, that vulture, that that parchment vulture, oh, it looks so fucking sick. Man, that was tight. And everything, his bombs, his little gadgets, the arrows, everything, just all of those intricate details. That that was great. That was great. I mean, I wasn't even bothered by the fact that they went to the Venom verse <laughs> in this movie. Didn't yeah. even bother me. Now, of all the little cameos they did, that Donald uh, or that yeah, Donald Glover. That one was kind of the coolest. Yeah, that, that was, was really tight. Funny. Now, that and, was tight. And that's another thing I like about this movie. They don't acknowledge that they visually look different. Like to them, it's all the same. Yeah. And I really dug that, that he's a whole ass person. And they don't even comment that he looks different. They go to the Lego verse or a Lego verse. Don't even comment that it's any different. You know, like. Things like that were so fucking cool. That is cool. Yeah. You know, I like that Spider-Man 99 or 2099 kind of looked a little sleeker 
mm-hmm. little, little more polished, a little bit almost futuristic, I dare say. Like, I liked that there was just that smoothness to his character. But then they allowed the, the facial expressions and all those other things to kind of emote a little bit more for him and all of those things. Uh, you know, it was just like the little things throughout this movie with that stuff just kind of, they set it just the bar so high for anything else. I mean, I don't think visually and beyond the Spider-Verse, they're going to be able to top this movie. I don't think it's going to dip. I think they're just going to carry the same quality over because they did kind of animate them. Like they did those back to back, I should say, in like a lot of ways, like they were made together, you know, that's also kind of another reason why I guess I'm not worried about the story magically dipping off is there's not four years between this and the next one. They're, they're just kind of, they've, I think they've already finished the movie. I think that they're just, you know, they want enough space between the movies to, you know, really market properly and all those things. But so many little things in this movie. I mean, that, and also, all right, let's we talk about, we mentioned a little bit earlier, that fucking end when he's in that universe 42 with that other Miles Morales, who's now the prowler in that universe. And he's stuck there and then you get you get the gang from the first movie and then the the new characters that are on his side in the second movie now going into to rescue him oh it's fucking genius and what i meant earlier you know miles morales ain't going to get killed you know you know they're going to rescue him you know that's going to happen but what you don't know is how And you don't know what else is going to happen while they rescue him. Is is Miguel going to show up and throw a wrench in their system? Like, you know what I mean? Like all these little things. There's so many things that can happen that you don't know how. But narratively, you're curious as to how. You know, you know the broad strokes. Like I said, you know he's going to they're going he's going to make it out. But you don't know how. And that's the big difference is they do such a good job of building these characters and building this universe and building the story. You care about the how I give zero fucks about how Dom Toretto is going to make it out of that Canyon. I know he's going to, <laughs> I don't care how it's going to happen. You know what I mean? I don't you, like, it's just a, it's going to happen. They're going to do some shit. He's going to get out. Because they did such a poor job of, of of building that narrative that you're just like, whatever's going to happen, they're going to do some shit in this next movie. I care about how Miles is going to get out. Yeah. Is he going to reason with his with this, this other version of him? Is this other version going to try to take his place? Is it going to be the, like, there's so many things that like could happen. Yeah, I want to know how. I want to know how. I want to see how. Like I said, they could have just kept going. They could have just done the whole movie, like both movies. I would have been fine. Now, maybe an intermission would have been necessary. I don't know how long the next one's going to be, but I would have been fine. Like, let's go. Like, don't make me wait. I just want more of this. I don't want it to stop. 
And the thing is too, that kind of sucks is like, I just have this feeling this next one's going to be really good too. Let's say it's not quite as good as this. Let's say it's like a 90 movie, right? You know, it's not quite as good as maybe it's a 90 or maybe like a 95, like the, the first one was or something like that. You're still not going to feel cheated. If it's just a little less than this. Yeah. And I've got no reason to think that the quality is going to drop so much that I'm going to be bothered by it. It's going to make me want a fourth one. It's going to contend for best movie franchise for sure. When it comes out, it might have a real strong shot at best trilogy. Honestly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going up against the apes movies, which, Oh God, that's a battle. I'd love to see. I'd love to watch those three again. And this one, like all three of these, like back to back, watch all six movies in a marathon just to see, Oh, we should do a podcast on it when it all comes out. Oh, that would be just a glorious fucking time of watching some movies. Man, that would be great. We should do that and just like have people vote and just kind of discuss like, I don't know. Think about, think about this. Watch, watch them all back. Like watch them in order, like together, watch like the first planet movie. And then, like, watch the first Spider Verse, like, alternate, like, one, one, two, two, three, three. Oof. Just, man. Just. <laughs> that would be pretty cool, actually. World building and storytelling beyond belief. Just, just man. hit me in the face. That'd be sick. Oh, God. I can't think. Like, I just can't think of a better time at the movies, if you will. Ooh, ooh. The new, the new Apple headset will be out by then. And I can watch them all in HD in my face. <laughs> Just in my face. <laughs> Sell that kidney. Go for it. God, it's worth nice. it. I almost have to now just for this. I'll, I don't know. I'll give it away after that. I don't give a fuck. I just want to watch all six of these movies back to back like that. Um, But I mean, so even if it dips off a little, you're not going to feel cheated. And you're going to want a fourth one. But I want to make this most sincere cry to, to, to Lord and Miller and, and Sony. Don't. Don't do a fourth one. Just let this be a trilogy. And just let it stay one of the best trilogies ever. And I say that knowing that there's another Planet of the Apes movies coming out. (laughs) That I am curious as fuck to watch. I I don't think it'll be as good. Matt Reeves isn't a part of it. Andy Serkis isn't a part of it. But, man, I'm still like... They're building off that world, though. It's called it's called Kingdom of the Apes. <laughs> God, that's a fucking amazing title. That, that is, is such a, a fucking amazing title. And I want to see it, but if they still, if they never made it, I still think that'd be great. You know what I mean? Like, just sit there and have a perfect trilogy. Just, just revel in that. Don't, don't risk it. Like, don't, don't risk Lord and Miller not coming back and you get somebody that's not as good and it sucks. Don't, don't do it. Just let it sit there and be great. Oh, man. Anyway, back to this movie. I mean, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of don't even know specifically what to talk about in a lot of ways. Cause like, I just kind of feel like, like I'm a little kid at Disney World with it, like going to Disney World for the first time. (laughs) 
I mean, like, oh man, the, the, that was in it and that was there and this is there. And I wrote on this and I went to that and I saw this and I saw that. And I, like, yeah, you saw the same shit that everybody else saw, bro. Like you don't have to be that excited or that like, you don't have to bring up the every wonder, little though. thing. Yeah. But I just kind of want to. I wanted to kind of talk about how there was the the, the four-armed Spider-Man, those little muscly arms sticking out of the suit. There was an armored Spider-Man Doppelganger. There. there was a doppelganger. I mean, that just, oh, I want to talk about all of it. And the, the greatest thing about these movies is there are Spider-Men that I don't know much about. Like, uh, what's, her, what's her name? Uh, Spider-Bite. Yeah. Yeah. I've never read anything with that character. I don't even know if that is a comic character. They could have made her up for this movie. I don't know. God, mm-hmm. I just want to see like more of her though. I'm like, oh, that was yeah. just a fucking great character. She's barely in this movie. But I'm like, oh, it's fucking great. You know, like all those little things, like they just do so good at just implying and building and just honestly giving your audience credit for some things. I know the first movie kind of goes into the multiversal idea a lot more in this than this movie, like some of the specifics of it, but they go way grander in scale with this movie. And they don't feel the need to hold your hand. But they also, just by having portals to shit, allows kids to follow it too. Without maybe not necessarily understanding the minutia with it. But just by having portals, kids can go, okay, portal. Okay, different place. Got it. And grasp it that way. And like I said, like it's it's movies like this that kind of make me why I didn't like Mario. Because to me, they stuck with the kid movie formula, not the the family movie or the all ages movie formula that this does. That uh Puss in Boots did. You know what I mean? Like, there is a way of doing animated movies that speak to both kids and adults simultaneously and very effectively. I'll be damned if it's not this fucking movie there too. Just doing it leaps and bounds. Um, I just want to tell one little little story about my movie going experience. So I'm sitting there. I go to my movie. I'm, I'm, I, I went to a captioned screening. Um, for everybody that doesn't know, there are screenings now, at least up in this area, where they do the closed captions on the screen. I do have some hearing issues, so that's delightful for me. I watch all my shit on TV. I put captions on. It it helps me out. Uh, so I'm in a caption screening. Those tend to be a little less full of people because People don't want words on their screen. I get it. But I'm in there. Not a, a ton of people in that theater. There's like a little family over here. They're like three, or, like they're two or three seats away from me. There's some people up in some rows above me. There's a couple of people down below me. And this guy buys a ticket. He's rushing in as the movie's starting. And literally sits right next to me. I understand this is an assigned seating movie theater, but that also means if you bought your ticket at the site, you're at a little kiosk picking your seat and it shows you what seats are taken. This man went, huh? 
there's this one seat open between all these people and all these other seats open. Let me get the one in between people. <laughs> I want that ticket. I don't I don't want any of the five on the other side of this man that are open. No, no, no. Right. I want the one right next to him. And he comes in. And it's like 15 seconds into the movie. The movie's barely started. He's like, hey. Hey, j- just starting? And I just look at this guy like, wait. Why are you saying any words to me? At all. It's like your nightmare <laughs> situation in a theater. I'm like, not only are you <laughs> sitting next to me for no good fucking reason. <laughs> other than you were obviously somebody sent here by Marvel to try to ruin my experience with this movie. <laughs> Disney is paying you to try to ruin this movie for me. But then you have the audacity <laughs> to try to talk to me. And then I didn't think it could get any worse than that. About 35 minutes into the movie, this motherfucker answers a phone call. He answers a fucking phone call in this oh, fucking no. movie. Oh, no. Oh, no. That is the worst. No. And he sits there. And is he he's an older guy? Phone. Yeah. I'm, well, younger than me. But. Okay. I mean, I, I, I mean I'm, I'm 37. I mean. Maybe 27 to 32, somewhere in there. Answers a fucking phone call. And he's just sitting there whisper talking on the phone. But also, he's he's right next to me, though. It's not like he's whisper talking like nine rows away and I can't fucking hear anything. No, he's right next to me. If I let you go, dude. And he goes, oh, oh. And then gets off the phone. I was just like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, in what universe is anything that you have done socially or just morally, ethically acceptable? Any of those things. <laughs> it is definitely not movie etiquette, for sure. Movie theater etiquette, I should say. God. it was. Just- Did you actually respond to him when he asked you if the movie was just starting? No. Or did you just ignore him? <laughs> I just stared straight ahead. The first time this man heard my voice is when I said, dude, because he's on the fucking phone. That's, wow. That's, this is not the movie you want those interruptions for. No. This man's trying to sabotage my fucking Spider-Verse. Uncalled for. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. Like, I've never understood that. Like, who answers a phone when they're at a movie? That's why I asked what age he was, because I feel like that's something that maybe like older people would do because they don't realize because they just always answer phone calls. I feel like no matter who it is, they're just like answering the phone. Older people do that. And like, I mean, the one the only time I've ever been in a movie where somebody being on their phone the whole time didn't bother me uh, was when I saw the movie Cats. Understandable. 
because there was whatever only, they were doing was probably way more interesting. There was only three of us in the theater. It was me and two teenagers. I think I interrupted them doing things they shouldn't be doing in a movie theater. But like, I don't know, a third of the way through the movie, they just started watching shit on their phone. And they were just down the road from me. You were like, I get it. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, if this was any other movie, I'd probably be upset with you, but I kind of get it. You're not, you're no longer paying for the movie. You're just paying for a comfy, relaxing, lounging seat to watch your phone on. I get it. Sure. Yeah. You just got to salvage something at that point. Like, well, I'm going to take advantage of the nice, comfy chair. Eat some popcorn while I watch YouTube yes. instead of the movie. Oh, no. I get it. I get it. And even then, they realized that they were being kind of rude, even though it wasn't bothering me. And then they went all the way down to the front row of the theater to keep watching their own shit. Like you, you, did, you weren't interrupting my time. If anything, you could have been listening to something or watching something that was more entertaining that maybe I could have heard to distract me from the terrible fuck fest that was happening on the screen. I don't know. Jason would have been mad at those jellical cats being interrupted for sure. <laughs> no, I don't know if I'd been able to handle that. I was too focused on old Deuteronomy and friends. <laughs> if I was in that movie theater with you, Justin, you got upset with them and you'd be like, but the jellical cats, I'd be like, Justin, before you get mad, you have to explain to me what the fuck a jellical cat is. <laughs> it's still a mystery. Let's be real. Nobody knows, Sterling. That's why they're so mysterious. You also have to explain to That's me what the so fucking jellical. old Deuteronomy is. <laughs> like, of all the books in the Bible, why the fuck do they pick Deuteronomy? Because it's the one that sets all the rules. Maybe. I don't know. Is that Maybe the just purpose like of that? I don't remember which cat that was. It was it was uh, it was Dame uh, Dame Judy Dench. Mm-hmm. That was Dench, was it? Yeah. You two remember so much more of that movie. Well, than it's I also do. because she's called Old Deuteronomy, so I think that's part of why you remember. But are you sure that's about the only thing? Are I remember. you sure that it wasn't Jellicle Old Cats. Deuteronomy, like O L E apostrophe Old Deuteronomy over there? And it was actually James <laughs> Could Gordon. Be. Yeah. <laughs> I think Could it was be. old, yeah. old. Uh, I think it was just straight up old. Yeah, not I, old. That's I not elegant enough for cats. It's got to be old. I didn't even remember. We're old. We ain't no old. Not the jellical. I cats, didn't dude. even You're remember the jellical cats. cats until Heather said that. Okay, I forgot that. <laughs> it just that's what isn't that what they opened with? Like I was like, why are we starting off this way? I, I don't, don't know. remember Heather. I remember that movie about as well as Jason remembered Red uh, Renfield. <laughs> yep. I don't think he saw that. <laughs> I still don't think I saw it. I think y'all are lying to me, but <laughs> I still think that was one of the best accidental jokes ever. Oh, that what was about great. in in Renfield? Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> and you were we sincere. You weren't on even it. trying to joke was, about it. You I was so that. sincere. I really did. I meant it. It just came full With circle because my... of what we talked about, like it being so not memorable. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Soul, I did not know I saw that. I did not. It was only like a few weeks before when we like recorded on it and everything. <laughs> I listened to the recording. <laughs> 
<laughs> two weeks later, you're just like, what is this movie? And I don't I know. still forgot. I Justin's like, to it. what is this Aquafina movie that I did? I missed. <laughs> I still need to see Renfield. Uh, actually, Justin, you did. Anyway, <laughs> enough about that bullshit. Justin, Sorry, go ahead. Justin, what are your, what are some, some spoilery thoughts about this here? Across the Spider-Verse. No, I get your uh, whole thing you were talking about, kind of the kid in the candy store or the kid at Disneyland. I definitely get it. Although, I don't know. I'm going to disagree with you slightly about the Mario Spider-Man comparison because I can't wrap my head around Mario being like this. I don't know. I, I can't wrap my head around Mario having the quality like Spider-Man is such a great character because of all of his depth. That's what makes him great. It's, it's the story. It's the relatability. It's the stuff about his decisions and what he has to make and stuff like that. Mario is a great character for the exact opposite shit of that. Mario is hella simple. Yaha, woohoo, jump on things and run around in these random worlds that don't make any damn sense. He is appealing for the exact opposite thing of, of a character like Spider-Man. I would never want to see a Mario that is thought-provoking and reflective. It wouldn't even be Mario anymore. The whole point of Mario is not to think so I just don't know if a Mario story of any kind would ever be the quality of something like a Spider-Man story. To me, they're just two different sides of the coin. That's like saying a Bugs Bunny cartoon can be, you know, a Bugs Bunny Winter Soldier can be a Captain America Winter Soldier. I can't see it. I just can't. But I do get what you're saying about quality. As far as quality of film and things like that. Yes, this is way better than a Mario movie, but I mean, it, it almost should be because Mario is not, can't be those things. Otherwise, it's just not him. But I digress with that. Uh, b- back to the movie. Um, for, I mean, I'll get to the end in a second, but the way that this shit started, man, with Gwen Stacy and just us getting a look at her story and her relationship to her father and everything that was going on there. And and I won't like talk about everything, but that drum solo that she did that, what is that movie about that drummer where he was just banging on the, on those drums and it had, um, uh, Whiplash. Whiplash. Her whiplash in that moment where she's just banging on the drums and it's do 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 And it's just like all about like the intensity of her situation and what's going on and what she's feeling and this anger about not being able to change her circumstances. Man, that was great. Man, that was great. And like you talking about like the, the intricate details of her in her universe and sometimes they would change the color based on the mood of what was happening. There was a scene in particular that just 
it stands out to me. And it's one of my favorite scenes, but it's the moment where her father, Captain Stacy, has her at gunpoint, not knowing that she's Spider Gwen. And then she reveals herself. And, you know, she's pleading with him and going, um, you, you, she's pleading with him and saying, do you really think I'm a murderer? Do you really think I would murder my best friend, Peter Parker? And there's a moment where it cuts back to him. And just for a moment, he's black and white. And I loved that just to kind of show the by the book, everything's things are, things are good and things are evil. There is no gray just to show that personality of the dad and how he can't separate the two. Like, and so then like, I just love that. Like it just for a moment showed him in black and white. Then it comes back to them. And then, and then all of a sudden she, he starts reading her, her rights and saying, you're, you're still going to be under arrest. Like, even though you're my daughter and all this stuff. And of course, all of that gets interrupted, but there were just so many great things like that. Like even the color sometimes was matching the mood of what happened. And I just love that. Um, the, another breathtaking scene when Spider-Man and Miles, I mean, Spider-Man and Miles, when uh, Spider-Gwen and Miles were just web-slinging and just that, just having a conversation, jumping and flipping everywhere and stuff like that. And when they sat underneath that building upside down, and it, it was just so interesting how they were shooting that. Like, sometimes they were upside down, then sometimes they were right side up. Sometimes the buildings in the background were upside down and they weren't, or the buildings were right side up and they weren't. I mean, there was just so much going on visually and it's just a beautiful scene. And then the dialogue and the voice acting is so good. Like I agree with you. Heather. Haley Steinfeld was wonderful in this. Like Gwen, like I liked Gwen in the, into the Spider-Verse movie, really liked her. I loved that character in this. Just all the layers that yeah. they added to her, all the, everything that they did with the story. Um, a scene later in the movie where she's trying to explain to her father that the mask is my badge and that whole speech that she was having. I loved all of that. And Haley Steinfeld just really just added great she character and depth to this, to, to the story and to this character with everything she was doing. But uh, Shamik Moore, who voices Miles Morales, he was great too, man. He was great too. It didn't matter if he was disguising his voice, talking to his father or talking kind of in a, you know, a deepened voice whenever he was talking to Gwen or whenever he was, you know, having those heart to hearts with his mom and, you you could tell that he was withholding something. You could hear the withholding of information that he was Spider-Man in his voice and just all of that stuff. I mean, just all of those different layers you could feel and you could hear in the voice acting. So, I mean, I can't speak enough about that. Also, I love 
his family, man. I love Miles Morales's family. His mom and his dad are so warm and just, I, I, I just wish everybody had parents like that. I, I just. But it's the I fact just, that they felt like real parents. Like they yeah. didn't feel like the fake, like they, they felt like legitimate like real people that were parents. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That they, they feel real, but they're so warm and you can tell that they love him and they're, but they're frustrated. They don't really know. They, they love him, but they don't know exactly how to do that every time or what to say, but they're so loving and caring that you, that, that their words and, and their love and what they feel it penetrates miles and you can tell it does. You can tell when he, that, that he feels that back and he knows he's hurting them, but he feels like he has to, but, and just that back and forth and that conflicting nature of him with them is so palpable in this, that even when the movie is doing, although you could argue the movie's always doing something, but even when, we were just talking to them. It was great. It, it was great. Like you just are hanging on to every word. And then like, um, and then going back and forth with the different language, with the Spanish language and going back. I mean, I, it's just integrated so well. And, and I just loved all of that. Just all of that was just great to me. Um, the spider clan or whatever you want to call them, the multiverse verse spider clan. It's funny because we were talking about the MCU earlier. This felt like a Spider-Man TVA, you know, essentially it, it was a network of Spider-Man trying to stop all of these different multiversal possibilities that could just cause rifts or cause destruction in this webbed spider timeline. So in a sense, it was that. But when you think about Loki and you think about this, it's just so much more cohesive. It was just so, it was just so much better. And I like the Loki series but this is one movie and it felt like they did the TVA better than, than, than Loki in what, eight episodes? <laughs> yeah, they were able to get to the, the point like more effectively so that the scope of what the TVA was or in this, the, you know, the spider force or whatever the fuck they're called became more apparent and more effective. Yeah. Like they're just more efficient with how they do it. Yeah, so so I was just amazed with me how similar those things were, but yet just how much more effective this was. And like, I I love the fact that you could see both sides of this perspective. You you understood Spider Man twenty ninety nine Miguel and where he was coming from and what happened to him and why he was thinking that this is the only way why he was trying to do this. But then you're so in, you're you're so enthralled with these characters and you care so much that as he's talking about the different Stacys throughout time, which was badass that we got panels from the original comic books with Captain Stacy and how he died and stuff like that. Like 
anytime they did an Easter egg or did some nostalgia shit, it was just on point and it was just perfect, man. It was just like a perfect fucking donut. You know, it was sweet. It was perfect. You eat it. You're like, yum. And then that's it. You know, you let's move on to something else. But anytime they did it, it was just like great. It was just like a nice taste of something. They never dwelled on anything. But even as Miguel is explaining all of this, and I like the use of the word canon, like like they just everything, just everything you like about comics, just but using that term canon to say that there are these events that sort of link the Spider-Man and make them who they are and stuff like that. And even though some of this I was kind of catching on, as the movie was giving it to me, because when we were in India with the, with the Indian Spider-Man and he was tight too. I, I can't say his name, but that Spider-Man was cool too. They actually redesigned that character too. Cause that is a real character from the comics. Okay. But he kind of just looks like Spider-Man with like Aladdin pants on in the comics. Yeah. Looks like shit. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So they really, this one looks fucking great. He looks yeah. awesome. I he think looked, it's Paviter pa- Prabhakar. Paviter okay. Prabhakar, I think. Yeah. W- which is kind of a uh, an Indian play on Peter Parker, isn't yeah. it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what that is. I didn't catch that just till now. You know, you said it and I went, wait a second. See, there's just so much in this movie. But like him, his narration, I loved his introduction. The narration was great. It was funny that earlier in the and all these little payoff and 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 like like things that they were doing with that all these little payoffs like earlier in the film whenever Peter first confronts the spot he goes why do people say ATM machine you're saying machine twice right and then we get to um Spider-Man India and he's like don't say Tai Chi, you know, it means T. It's like you're saying T twice, (laughs) you know, you're saying T twice. Little shit like that, man. Just that, that is just a throwaway. That's just like a little quirk thing. But the fact that both Spider-Man just, both of these Spider-Man just have that quirk about them. You know what I mean? Just little things like that, that are just funny. You know what I mean? And whenever they were like, a canon event is about to happen and Miles helped save that captain. I totally was like, he was supposed to die. That I, I, I kind of knew at that point what they were talking about. I was like, I, that's, you know, a Spider-Man fan might know, oh, that's Captain Stacy. He was supposed to die. So even though there were parts in the story where I kind of knew where it was going, because the characters are so compelling. Like whenever Miguel is sitting there explaining why that was a canon event that, that, that miles messed up and talking about the different captains that have to die. I was sitting before miles made the realization. I was sitting there going, his dad is about to become a captain, you know, like, and I'm like, Oh no, his dad, you know, I was sitting there even thinking that before the character got there, but just, but that's what I love about the movie. Whether you saw little events coming or not, they gave you enough clues. It wasn't cheap. It never felt cheap. They either gave you enough clues to where you could deduce it 
or if you hadn't arrived to it by that time, they told you in an exciting way. And this whole idea that these things have to happen in order for him to be Spider-Man and sort of the character kind of going, nobody's going to tell me that moment where they're all chasing Miguel has him pinned. And he's like, everybody's trying to tell me how my story is going to go. And he was like, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. Man, I felt that shit. Felt that shit. You know what I mean? Felt that shit. But at the same time, understand why Miguel is doing what he's doing and why he's chased him and everything like that. And then that point Miguel made about like how you're not even supposed to be Spider-Man. You were bitten by a spider from another dimension. And I realized, because I had watched Into the Spider-Verse again uh, before I watched this movie, that spider glitches in Into the Spider-Verse. But it was before I knew really about the rules of glitching and stuff like that. But that, that spider glitches and they don't tell you the rule. You don't learn the rules of glitching until later in the movie. Now, maybe if a person was deducing that and thinking about that and went back to that op- the, one of the earlier scenes and went, the spider was from another universe. But I didn't put that together at that moment. But whenever he said that here, I was like, oh, shit, that spider did glitch. And, you know, you're immediately thinking, so there's a universe with no Spider-Man. I wonder what that universe is like. And then they saved it. Like, this is just excellent storytelling. They're giving you all these little details and you're asking all of these questions. And then at the end, they answer some of those questions. And so when you get to that reveal where he thinks he's in his universe and there are just all these little details. Like when he's talking to his mom, she had different color eyes. You know what I mean? Her eyes weren't the same color as Mm -hmm. the original universe. And then of course, when the little thing she said, what did you do to your hair? You know, just little things that little clues they were giving you. So even if you kind of knew, okay, is, is he in the right place? You were just going with it. And whenever he said, I'm Spider-Man, and then there was just like no reaction, it was funny. But at the same time, she was like, what's a Spider-Man and stuff like that. And throughout that whole scene, I'm just making all these realizations that, that, that I didn't make before. Like, I also noticed that whenever Uncle Aaron came into the room, um, in, in Earth 42, the, the Prowler Miles universe, you know, he gives he gives the mom some money and, you know, uh, she's like, you know, I, we're just trying to make ends meet and stuff. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. Your family, you know, he's giving them money. And I'm like, okay, so this Miles is in a struggling family. And then I thought all the way back to the beginning of the movie when our Miles, his parents are talking to that counselor and she goes, you grew up in this poor, struggling family. And they were all like apprehensive, you know, like the mom was like, no, well, actually I'm from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico's part of the U.S. And the dad was like, no, man, I've been a steady cop for a long time. I'm about to come captain. I wouldn't say we were struggling. That shit was hella foreshadowing, man, because that's what this Miles, that's this Miles' story. You know, mm. all this shit is just coming together, man. 
And like, it makes me think about things like, like whenever he's trapped there, the other mouse has him trapped there. I couldn't help but think, I wonder how this is going to go. And I was thinking, is the reason why this Miles' dad died is because this was the Miles Morales that was supposed to become Spider-Man, the Prowler Miles. He was supposed to get bitten by that spider. So I wonder if this becomes sort of a thing of my dad died because that spider wasn't there to bite me. If I was Spider-Man, if I had your powers, if I was the Miles Morales you became, maybe I could have saved my dad. But because none of that happened, I, I, I couldn't do anything about that. So I became the prowler like, and that's just a a theory of how they could tell the story. But dude, there's so many ways that they could do this, like how those two characters are tied together. But I thought that, and even though we've seen sort of this, I go to another universe and meet a clone of me type of thing. It's not like that hasn't been done, but I think what's so great about it and what's so great about the cliffhanger was that, how these characters are tied together, how, how the, how this miles being bit by this spider directly affected what this other miles became, how those two stories are so interconnected and how um, different their lives are just because of that one thing that happened. So I'm just so intrigued about what this winds up being. There was also something on the news that while the news person was talking on a TV in the background and it said something like a a sinister six or a sinister six syndicate or something like that. I want to know who's all in this sinister six is the kingpin alive in this universe. Are are we going to have a different type of sinister six are we going to see some sinister versions of some other characters? You know, if this Miles is the Prowler, is there another person that we're familiar with that is another sort of villain character? Is there a bad this? Peter Parker? Exactly. Is there a bad Peter Parker? Is there a bad Gwen? Is there a bad, what are we going to get with this sinister six? Cause yeah, they could do the rhino, the Sandman, the Dr. Octopus, but we might get some different shit here. And the way that this is going, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a bad Peter B. Parker or a bad, I just wonder what we're going to get with that. So yeah, man, well, wonderful, wonderful stuff. One thing I have with it is I don't think... I don't think his dad died because Miles was supposed to become Spider-Man in that universe. I think the dad dies because he would have been the Captain Stacy to that Peter Parker. Yeah, it could totally play out that because way. I think, yeah. Because I think they're playing on the fact that he is the only Miles Morales that became Spider-Man. Or would have been, like you know, or could have been. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. is the anomaly in that regard. In no other universe should there have been or is there a, another Miles Morales. 
that is Superman and that's what, or Spider-Man and that's what makes him so unique. And I think that that ties into it narratively speaking too, with one of my theories with this movie is that that's why he's got certain powers that the other ones don't have. And that's also Uh. why he was weirdly able to, I don't want to say beat, but escape all those Spider-Men because he's the only one of him. Okay. You know. That's a uh, good theory. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a good theory. That that does make a lot of sense. Because when I heard the anomaly thing, I was just thinking the fact that because there was already a Spider-Man in his universe and he got bit by that from another, I wasn't even thinking about how that relates to his powers and stuff. I was just thinking about the, oh, that spider wasn't supposed to be here. So this was, I was thinking this Miles was supposed to be Spider-Man, not him. But no, what you're saying is definitely valid too. And actually that it does explain when you when you related it to his powers, that would explain the weird powers he has, why he can turn invisible and why he can just do electric shit. It's because of that weird other universe shit that's sort of tied with it. Yeah, that in and, and I think that like I said, that's why he's just was able to kind of escape the other Spider-Men is because they're all either a, a, a Spider-Gwen or a Peter Parker or a Miguel O'Hara. You know, they're all those types of Spider-Men. Uh, fuck, was it Jessica Drew? That's the Spider-Woman too. Like they're all yeah. kind of versions of those characters that are Spider-People in some universe. He's the mm-hmm. only Miles Morales, you know? And I think that that would kind of lead to the fact that they can't, and I don't, I, kind of like they can't anticipate him. They can't predict him as well because he can do things they can't do when it comes to turning invisible. Like they're not even thinking he can turn invisible. They don't think he has the electric shock powers. You know what I mean? Because that's just something that other spider people don't have. Yeah. And he is yeah. the anomaly. Good that's point. why he can. And that's why they just weren't able to get him. In the end. Good point. Good point. Yeah, you might be on point with that. Yeah, and they probably will go that route with it. And that would be tight, man. You know, either one of those scenarios I'd be cool with. But man, that would be cool too. And that would, like you said, that better explains his power set and why he can change the web, so to speak. He can impact this multiversal web in ways that they can't fathom. That, that That's, yeah, I like that. I like that better. Cool, though. But no, you can go, Heather. I just wanted to say those things, and I'm sure more stuff may come to my mind, but no, all of that was... Man, there's just so much. It's almost too much. Like, I just feel like I could talk for another hour about stuff, but I just can't. (laughs) I want to let you go. (laughs) I want to throw one thing before Heather goes, just because it ties in directly to what we're talking about um, with him being different like that. I think this is kind of a prediction of mine for Beyond the Spider-Verse. I think that in his universe there's no longer the idea of like canon events 
because he's not canon. Yeah. Like, because he's an anomaly and all those things, like, I don't think if it's like, say he saves his dad, I don't think it ends that universe because he's not canon. He's the anomaly. Yeah. I I just think that like, that's my theory kind of going into the last movie is just like, because of what I, like I said, the way they built him being the anomaly and all these things and the way he's able to do things different. I think that that's how it's going to end up maybe affecting some of the stuff later that like those rules while they apply to other Spider-Men might not apply to him. Yeah. And and it may have already balanced. Maybe he's kind of like the balancing of the force, so to speak or something, because like the other Spider-Man died to give way to him, you know, like there couldn't have been two. So this one, you know, that one died to sort of, and and now he's the only one there. And it was almost like it fixed. Maybe the Spider-Man that died was his Captain Stacy. You know, you could, because he's already had the uncle Ben with his, with his uncle. Exactly. So maybe that is his Captain Stacy. So like you said, the same rules don't apply. It's all different in shit because of what happened. So yeah. Yeah, I can see some of that shit, for sure. All right, Heather, that's all I had. (laughs) I mean, it's just very obvious that, like, the attention to detail of this movie is beyond. You know what I mean? Like, they're just so detailed, and they've thought of everything. It's it's not one of those, like, it's just not an inconsistent movie. Um, And I appreciate that about it, because the quality that it gives you with the first one, you almost feel like, how can you get better than that (laughs) with these movies? And then you get this and you're just like, but it's actually completely keeping everything that happened in the first movie valid. And it's not dismissing any of it or rewriting any of that stuff. Like it's still directly tying into things that were discussed in the first and things that happened in the first one. And I really appreciate that because just, I don't know. There's just something about the the detail of the story writing in these films. That's just so good. Like, um, and then talking about the whole canon thing too, that just kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, that movie Inside Out <laughs> with the core memories type of thing. I feel like it's kind of the mm. exact same concept of what a core memory is. Like the, just the thing that de- kind of defines you and why you are what you are. And I feel like canon is the same thing as, you know, that for Spider-Man. So I appreciated that too, because I like the idea of that. Because I think that's a very real thing too, like just in in life in general, right? There's just these events that are like core memories and core things in your life that make you who you are in one way or another. So I thought that was a really great sort of unexpected, profound thing that they kind of put in this movie. And um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like... um, just the everything that everything that happened between Gwen Stacy and her father, I think was so good. Like all of the dialogue, all of the just emotion that you feel and just that strained relationship that you feel is um, it's so well done. You know what I mean? And like, and I, I just, I do specifically remember in the movie when, you know, she finds out that her dad, quit and just that whole scene of them talking when she comes back 
it's it's such a great scene, but just I feel like there's at least two or three different types of animation that they use just in that scene. You know, like you see different like color changes or to different types of like how it looks for even just a moment, you know, and I'm just like something I it's almost like the the animation itself is a character in this movie <laughs> because you just like it's not the same without all of those unique types of animation that they just so very intelligently put into the story in just the right moments. Like it's just so like, it's unbelievable. It's unreal. And like, it's genius. Kind of like what you were saying earlier, Sterling, it's just like, it's mind blowing. It's just kind of like, how do you even think of this? How is this even in your brain to, to do something like that? But yeah, I, I just really appreciated all of that. I mean, the only thing I would say that I would that I would probably maybe change about this movie if I'm being nitpicky is I kind of wished that uh, the Peter Parker that had the baby, maybe just a little bit more of him without the baby. Um, that's the only thing that I would maybe change because I, I think he was such a great character um, in the films and like the fact that he's sort of like a mentor to Miles, right? Like, I just feel like it would have been nice to see him doing his Spider-Man thing without the baby at least once, you know, in one scene or like, Hey, I got to leave the baby at home for this. Cause this is getting real and see him fighting with somebody, you know, but you just feel like he's a little bit, I wouldn't say sidelined because his character is still very important in the movie, but he's just not utilized. I don't think in the way that he could have been to make it just that much better than it already was. Um, and I get it. It's like part of his, you know, character arc and everything, but I just would have, I would have liked to see just a little bit of him without the baby. <laughs> but, I think, um, I think part of that is though, is to lead into this next movie where they're going to be more in the team. They're going to be more, you know, into it and stuff. Yeah, you're probably right. And I'm trying to, and my whole thing is too, I'm trying to think about, are they going to kill somebody in the next movie? And if they do, who is it going to be? Because part of me thought it might be him. You know what I mean? Like if they were going to kill one of the Spider-Men off, I feel like it might be him because everybody has like sort of like a emotional draw to him because he's a father and he's the mentor and all that. But I really hope they don't go that route. You know what I mean? Because he has a baby and <laughs> you know what I mean? But like it, I just don't know what to expect because part of me the entire time up until maybe the last like 30 minutes of this movie was very, very worried that they were going to kill off Miles's dad. Like I really was very worried about that. And I was like, don't do it. But then you just start to real, or I started to realize that like, they're just almost talking it up too much in the movie for it to actually happen. So it, it kind of felt like, okay, I feel like they keep, they keep, it's almost like they want to psych you out a little bit. And make you think that that might be what happens and then it doesn't. So I'm hoping it doesn't happen in the next movie. But that was that was the only the only person I actually thought was in threat of being killed off in this movie. Like I wasn't even worried that Gwen Stacy's dad was going to be killed for some reason. But yeah, I think um, I also like the the sort of comparison of um, Gwen Stacy's relationship with her dad versus miles with his dad and i think that that was like i mean it's not like they're completely the same and all of that but just that 
you you do still see that struggle, <laughs> excuse me, that they have of like just I don't know, like just the the butting heads and the very different views and like you don't understand me and I can't talk to you about this and but just knowing that the fathers are just like so proud of the kids and like I just I just liked the comparison because you just see that Gwen Stacy and Miles are very similar more than they might think that they are with that and I thought that was a really cool way to sort of show that in this movie it actually almost felt for a minute like it was going to be a Gwen Stacy movie like the first part of the movie I was like and I'm okay with it like she was great the way they started out this was with a a bang like for real it was so good how they started it off and I would have been fine if it was but um just the way that they can make you just like they shift gears a lot in this movie that's sort of the nature of it but they do it in a way where it doesn't lose you and there's something to be said for that because I can think of so many movies where they try to switch it up or put too much in a movie and you just, it loses you because it's not coherent and it's not flowing the way that it needs to flow. But in this movie, you get that all the way through, you know, you're not just like, wait, why did you switch from Gwen to now miles? Like this doesn't make sense. All of it made sense. You know, you're not, it's one of those movies where whatever direction they decide to take with how they do this movie nobody's questioning it. You're like, they're going to do what's best. I trust them fully with what they do with this movie. And and going into the the third one, even more so, you're just like, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know it's going to be awesome. And I'm not going to question any choice you make in this movie <laughs> because that's just how good this one is and even how good the first one was. So, you know, I think, um, I also think that Jessica Drew was a very good character. Um, I really enjoyed that. I thought uh, they made some interesting choices with her, which weren't bad, but just interesting. And again, I'm coming from the perspective of like, I don't really know anything about any comic storylines or anything like that. But the fact that she was like pregnant in this was interesting. And I wonder if that's going to play into something in the third movie. Um, You know, if there's going to be something to that. But I also think that she was maybe a little underutilized. She was a great character. Like it would have been cool to see her in a little bit more action and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I just think that her and her relationship sort of with Gwen, it almost felt like Gwen was her mentor. Or I'm sorry, no, that Jessica was uh, Gwen's mentor. So I, I just like that they sort of, really make Miles and Gwen a lot more alike than you would initially think at like face value. So I I just, there's just no weak point of this movie. Literally nothing about this movie is weak. (laughs) I can't even think of a scene that I'm like, yeah, they could remove that. They could take that out. I don't need it. Zero of that in this film, which again, I know we've been comparing it with fast 10 so much, but like you think about that and you're just like, how many scenes do you have cut short? or completely taken out of that movie. You know what I mean? But like with this one, you're just like every second of this movie counts. And that's why you kind of feel like, can we just go just roll right into the third film? (laughs) Because I was not bored. I just want to know what happens. So I'm kind of with you guys on that where I'm like, just release it sooner, please. It'd be great. (laughs) You know? Um, But yeah, I just think that, 
I don't know. I've, I've honestly, I've just never seen an animation or an animated movie like this before, or like, I guess like the Spider-Verse movies in general, just the, the different use of the different types of animation all in one film is just really a, a cool concept and just really done perfectly well in these films. Um, and yeah, it's it's just one of those where you don't have time to explore every Spider-Man from every universe or anything like that. But there wasn't like a, oh, we just needed to add more types of Spider-Man. So we're just putting these random ones in. Like you just actually feel like the ones you got to see were used perfectly. <laughs> like the one that was from India and like Spider-Punk and the, um, I think one of them was, was it like, Scarlet Spider or something? Yeah, Ben Riley. Yeah, yeah ben, that's Riley. ben Riley. And if you're a yeah. comic fan from the '90s, he's a very big character in your Spider-Man mm-hmm. life, and he has one of those love-hate relationships because he's very '90s. You know, yeah. it's the very <laughs> articulated muscles and the hoodie and all that shit. Yeah, and, you know, just a very '90s Spider-Man. But he's also involved in and featured in one of the. Single worst Spider-Man stories ever told. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's this thing infamously from the 90s called Maximum Clonage. Oh. And he's a big part <laughs> okay. of it. Okay. And so. Oh, boy. Yeah. The, that, the, the Scarlet Spider is very much a part of that and from that. And there's a lot of love-hate when it comes to the Scarlet Spider and Spider-Man fans from the 90s. Okay. But also that's why yeah. he talked he talked the way that the Scarlet Spider narrated stories. It was very much a like you could tell it was a take on something because of just how dramatic it was. He's emo yeah. Spider-Man. Like, oh, where do I belong? Yeah. Uh, the yeah. fact that they got Andy past. Samberg. Yeah, the fact that they got Andy Samberg to be him was just perfection. Like he just did that so well. But yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Like he was an emo, emo Spider-Man was for sure what he was. But just how, I don't know, just so dramatic he said everything with that like almost Batman-like voice, you know? Like it's yeah. just like, I'm going to do this, you know, like that whole thing he did. It was so funny. Like it was just really amusing, you know? And like, I think one of my favorite parts or like the funniest parts, at least of the film for me was when spider punk had the spider baby <laughs> and he's like whatever he said about like you know uh he said something about like basically in the sense of sticking it to the man but i don't remember what he said exactly but it was something similar to that and it was just very funny the whole interaction with the baby and spider punk but um yeah i think that i'm, I'm just trying to think if there's even like a spider-man that I was like yeah that was unnecessary i didn't care about that even spider cat, you know, like that was just a really funny moment in the film. Like, and then of course they did the whole, like, you know, all the Spider-Man pointing at each other thing. Of course they had to do that. You had, in this to, movie. Do had, you to, had do to do it. it. And most people, I mean, there's a lot of people that would probably be like, Oh, that's overplayed, whatever, but they utilized it well here. That's why it kind of worked still. And for actually in the theater I was in, that was the joke that got the most laughs. So people loved it. I don't know. It worked. They did what they did. So, yeah. Yeah, that fucker next to me laughed at that. I just wanted to punch him in the face. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that is like a super popular <laughs> Spider-Man meme. I mean, that meme is like oh, yeah. infamous, the whole point. And I don't know what it is about it. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know why. But for some reason, that shit is just hella popular and like the shit. So it was it is, cool It is amusing. It, and I, I honestly <laughs> just thought like the way they did it in No Way Home was really funny. Cause you just don't like it just, you don't expect that they're going to do it like with the, the live action, you know, Spider-Man that was a really funny one too. And I was like, I don't know if anybody could do better than that, but this one worked too. This one was pretty amusing as well. Like if I'm trying to even remember where that meme came from, it's from the old like Spider-Man and friends animated show or something like that way back in the day. And I think that that is the chameleon. One of them is the chameleon. Yes, I'm remembering yeah, correctly. I think so, yeah. And which is kind of funny too, because what a lot of people don't realize, while Spider-Man has all these iconic villains, um, the Chameleon is actually his oldest villain. Uh, oh, really? The Chameleon debuted in the same comic that Spider-Man debuted. So mm-hmm. it's like the very, like the original villain? Yeah, he is the original villain of, of Spider-Man. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, it, I think that that's where that comes from. But I also like to think that if you had a bunch of Peter Parker Spider-Man or just a bunch of Spider-Man together anyway, they would do something stupid like that. If he was like, somebody catch Spider-Man, they go, whoa. Yeah. That is something that Spider-Man would do. That stupid little thing that just makes you chuckle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which is why it worked because, I mean, I I really liked No Way Home. And I I know, Sterling, you weren't like, super big on that one but i do think that one of the best things about that movie was the dynamic between all three spider-men that was the best scenes of the movie for me was like them talking to each other interacting with each other that was the funniest and like most amusing part of the whole thing so even if you didn't like anything else about that movie i feel like that's something you have to enjoy it's just them being like you know very peter parker-ish in their own ways about everything that they were doing so, but anyways, all that to say, like they, every joke landed, I feel like in this movie, like there wasn't when they were being funny and they did those moments, everything worked, you know, there wasn't a moment I was like, okay, that was cheesy. That was stupid, whatever. Everything that they wanted to be funny was funny to some degree and the dramatic moments and honestly, those dramatic moments just work so well because of the voice actors that do it. Like talking about Haley Seinfeld again, like I think she she honestly has to be one of my favorites at this point. But like just her delivery and her emotion and Miles, um, what was his name? I forget his name. Um, uh, what is what is his name? It is Shamik Moore. Shamik Moore. Yeah. He was, he was so great too. Like, and, and everything between him and his parents in both of the movies, I always love it because you just, that very real, the very real moments that he has. And it's, it's Brian Tyree Henry is the dad, right? I, I, you can't, you can't not love him. Like everything he does is golden. I just love that man. He's great. So, you know, he just, the voice that he does with it, like the, the, I don't know, you you hear the the annoyance he has with his son, but also just the love that he has for his son at the same time. And it just all of the way they do it is just so, so 
well done in every possible way. So they just delivered on everything you would want from a movie like this. And I just, I honestly, there's zero things I can just say is a flaw with this movie. (laughs) Maybe preferences, like I was saying with the baby for the other Spider-Man. But other than that, I'm just like, there's, I just can't think of any flaws that this movie has or any weak points at all, which like, it's almost like a masterclass in how you tell a story. Like regardless of the amazing animation and all of that, like the storytelling aspect of this and the detail and the, the not losing you at any point in the story. Like it's, it's a masterclass of how you tell a great story in a movie. I mean, it got Sterling to not think that a two, two hour, 20 minute movie was long. That's a, that's a feat that nobody has done before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's uh there's praise there for just how how well the story flows but just how intriguing it is like there's no boring parts of this movie i do want to point out you heard it here first heather is anti-baby <laughs> um, the baby was cute baby. i'm just saying like he just he had a robe on with the baby in front of, like the whole time i'm like the baby is cute but like we we need Spider-Man to do some Spider-Man stuff. <laughs> like I liked um I liked his seat. Well, you're right. He wasn't in it a lot. And he is one of the more entertaining characters. I, I will give you that. I like him. And then and and I'm not gonna lie, when he did finally come into the movie, he did add something to it. Like all of his yeah. talking with Miguel and stuff, you know, most of the Spider-Man are funny, but you're not funny at all. You know, like he just, he just says (laughs) things. I I really like him, but he had some, he had two really great scenes in the film though. The heart to heart with miles when he was talking about why he had the kid. That was one of the better heart to hearts in the movie was that. I agree. And I loved his scene with Mary Jane. Like when you were talking about, you could see a spinoff of some of these characters. That scene with him and Mary Jane, I love that. Whenever she made the sports analogy and he was like, she, she's all trying to spell it out for him. And he's yes. like, I know what that means. And she was like, well, I don't know. You were a nerd <laughs> in high school. And she was like, I play, I, I watch sports. I mean, yeah. geez, like, like yeah. I loved that all of that 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 definitely seemed it like, felt like a real relationship yeah, two people that know each other really well you know what i mean i really like yeah. that scene um yeah the baby wasn't my favorite I, the the scene was cute though whenever he was like look we're gonna have to go out and help miles and then the baby is like let me put my little spider-man mask on <laughs> that was i cute, thought yeah. that was pretty adorable <laughs> but yeah that was cute but but yeah he had he he wasn't in it enough because I just love him, but he yeah. had two solid, two really Moment. good scenes in the movie. I yeah, thought. I mean, for, for the time he was in this movie, he was very effective. And it's funny to me because, like, he's voiced by Jake Johnson, who the only thing I really knew him from was New Girl. I mean, that's the only thing I've ever seen him in. But And he has a very Classic distinct world. voice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. See, it's funny because that's where I know him from because I never watched <laughs> New Girl. <laughs> True. Yeah. So, and the thing is, like, 
I, he has a very distinct voice to me. Like, I feel like when you've, when you've seen, you just know it's him when you hear his voice after a while, like, but I've only seen him as this like funny character in this show. But when he's delivering those lines too, he is on it. He is perfectly just like giving you all of the emotion, like the sincerity of everything that he says. And like he, yeah, he's, he's a great version of Spider-Man. I really liked him a lot. So yeah, I just, it's, there's just not enough praise to go around for this movie. Like you said, like we could talk about this for hours probably and just all the, the nuances and all of the, the details that they give you of everything is just so there's so much in it. And that's probably why you could see it several times in theaters and just find something you didn't before. So um, yeah, I just think that was great. And also, you know, we haven't talked much about him, but Oscar Isaac was great. Um, Miguel, he, he was a, he was a great character. Like you said, where you kind of, you get where he's coming from. You completely understand his motivation but you're just like, what are you doing at the same time? But he's, he's a guy that you're just like, I, I don't completely disagree with like your, your motive here, you know? So it, he was great. Oscar Isaac is, he always delivers too. So they, the way, man, their voice casting in this movie is just solid. It is solid people in this movie, but yeah, that's, that's all I got. And quickly about Spider-Man well, 2099. Shout- oh, go ahead. I was going to just say shout out to Oscar Isaac. He's played three different major Marvel movie uh, roles now. He's Apocalypse, Moon Knight, and Miguel O'Hare. Oh, yeah. He's like a he's like a legend in Marvel now, I guess. Yeah. Like, he just, man, that fool is amazing. Just And regardless of the movies as holes or the shows as holes, He's, he's never, he's never been the problem. (laughs) He is never the problem in any rules he's in. Always killing it. Just always killing it. And like Spider-Man 2099, I remember when those comics first came out and they were doing all of these 299 versions of characters. And I remember, I just loved the character design of Spider-Man 2099. It was just something about the way he looked and how like futuristic he looked and everything like that. I just always loved the design of that character. And when you get to this and just like the little details in his suit, like there was motion in his suit, like, like the, the red stripes and everything. It was like, you could, when it was, whenever the camera was close to him, there was movement in it. It was like there was these, it was like mechanized liquid or something like in his suit. Like it was really cool. Like, like just some of the visual effects that were going on with this suit. And he looked badass in this man. Like they really did that character justice. Because when I saw the previews, I didn't know if that was a cameo. I didn't know if that, you know, he's so far removed from any main storyline, Spider-Man, anything that I just didn't know how he was going to be utilized in this. And I think he had the perfect role in this. I'm glad that they chose him to kind of be this Spider-Man on the other side of this argument. 
about letting the timelines play out and different things like that. I like that there was, he wasn't the villain, but he was, but, but he was the antagonist, but he wasn't a villain. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. He's not the villain, but what, but his belief and what he, his goal was the antithesis of miles. So their clash was understandable. And you understand though, that he's not the bad guy, but you can understand kind of how, what he was doing clashed with what miles wanted. And then sort of getting to the end of that and kind of revealing this other villain who, who you think is mm. going to be the villain and, and then, and, but how that villain is so closely related to the hero. It, it was all just great, man. It was like it was, a catalyst or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was all just great storytelling to get us to that, you know? And that's the thing. There really is no bad guy per se, you know, the, the, the bad guy really in this was just a clash of beliefs on how to handle one's life. You, you know, that, that's really yeah, kind of what it that was. They have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's really kind of what it was. Um, and, and then it seems like this third one is going to really be some, this is the opposition and, and how are we going to handle this opposition? Because we've got two... Spider-Man that are rel- that are very powerful with two different views on how to handle this. So how is all that going to work? Because that situation's unresolved. So it's all really neat how it's coming together. And so I'm just like yeah. you guys, like March can't come fast enough because I'm just yeah. so enthralled with, like Sterling said, the curiosity of how exactly is this going to play out? Are several people going to die? Is no one going to die? Is there a peaceful possibility? Does someone have to die for these timelines to in order to save everything? Or can no one? You know, you just wonder how it's all going to go and how um, it's all going to be resolved. So I'm excited. Can't wait to see it. And, yeah. and the thing is, is... While you would love for certain characters to live and certain characters to die and whichever, the one thing that's really great about this writing and this team and the people making these movies, I feel like if somebody has to die, it won't be a cheap death. It'll matter. It'll be important. It'll tie into the story. There will be a narrative reason. It won't just be a, hey, guys. Yeah, Got they're too thoughtful about everything for it to just be a random like, yeah, let's just do it. Exactly. You know? It won't be a shock death. It won't be this and that. Yeah. It'll make sense with what they're doing. And they seem bold, man. Like this whole thing started with the Spider-Man death. You know, this <laughs> like out the gate and into the Spider-Verse, we had a Spider-Man die. So... It, it felt like that just opened, and I just remember going, okay, so I guess he's going to be really hurt. And then we were at a funeral, and I went, he's dead? 
Like, like it completely threw me for a loop that they even did that because he could have been hurt. He could have been in a coma. He could have been crippled and just unable to do it anymore. But they were like, no, nah, he's dying in this so that we can go ahead and start this shit. So they, they seem kind of bold, man. They seem like also willing to take chances and stuff. Just like Sterling said, whatever they do, you feel like it's going to be well thought out. And even if they take some chances, they don't seem like they mind taking chances, you know, at all. So, yeah. Yeah. Any more thoughts, guys? Anything else you want to say about this before we go? I'm good. No, I'm good. All right. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com, Cinema Slayers podcast on Facebook, Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram, Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok, at Cinema Slayers pod on YouTube. Uh, shout out to Plug Me, Go and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends' family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. Oh, I mean, I guess I'll go with Oscar Isaac. That's fair. Yeah. Mothers do love Oscar Isaac. Uh. I was going to say something. I don't remember what. Um, just remember here at the Cinema Slayers podcast, we are both pro-slut and pro-Sydney. We are not pro-Burger King as much as Justin wants us to be. He is. Justin is pro-Burger King. As a collective, we are not. There's, there's <laughs> some universe where Burger King is on top and Whataburger is closing 100 stores. And that makes me happy. In that universe, I also don't exist, so that's fine. <laughs> Damn. You can't even live in a universe where Burger King is the best? I barely want to live in this universe where Burger King is like ninth. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay, duly noted. Uh, as I always in these podcasts, these TikToks, these YouTube videos, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. Summer movies. Summer movies. Man, and then like we get Transformers. We go I from Spider-Man to Transformers. <laughs> Why Fuck does it just me. feel like it's all downhill from here? And I'm already hearing mixed reviews about that. I'm hearing mixed stuff about Indiana Jones. I'm hearing like, oh, man. I feel like, why was this so good? Like, <laughs> it just feels like, man, it might be all downhill from here, but I hope not. I mean, this Transformers right now, as of this day, is sitting at that big 56 on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Big 56. Mm. Mm. Yikes. Which is honestly like I, I heard before. It's better than I was expecting it to be. So Still better than Fast X, I think. It's, there, it, it's <laughs> at least 30% higher than I thought it would be. So <laughs> maybe it's yeah. not a miserable time at the movies. Maybe it's just a time at the movies. Okay. I wonder how long is this movie? It's damn near two hours. What the fuck are you doing for two hours? Man. Fuck me, man. Fuck me. I am so unhappy right now. I got to sit through two hours of Transformers. This is this is hard to beat. This this Spider Man movie is hard to beat. I mean, unfortunately, Heather, it wouldn't matter if Spider Man just came out or not. I'd have to sit through two hours of Transformers next week. But if it was <laughs> Spider Man, you would be like, "Yay!" There's two hours of Spider Man. <laughs> of this Spider Man, not just of any this Spider-Man. Spider Man. Yes, this one. Spider Verse. I can't Spider-Man. believe that these people have the audacity to think they are just as good as 20 minutes less than this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I really can't believe that they thought fast X was good enough to be one minute longer than this movie. (laughs) I think it's funny. And when you were talking earlier about the whole, like, you know, just, didn't we talk about how there's lots of scenes in fast 10 where there's just, prolonged moments that don't need to be there. (laughs) You know, they could have like just done a few minutes less of a minute. There's at least 24 minutes from whenever that woman finishes talking about comparing herself to her sister before Vin Diesel says, you're just like her. (laughs) You sit there for an uncomfortably long amount of time just waiting on him him to say a damn thing. And apparently it just took him that long to remember his line. But he's like, don't cut anything. That's some of my best acting. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Jason Momoa for sure ruined this movie. (laughs) When I heard that, that he's mad and thinks that Jason Momoa's overacting ruined that movie. I was like, that was the only thing that, like, gave me any interest in this damn movie. Yeah. I know. What about your underacting? What about that? Right. (laughs) I'm sure it seems like overacting compared to what he's normally doing, but it's just not that way. I did a growl. I acted perfect. (laughs) If anything, they balanced each other out. You underacted. He overacted. It balanced out. Yeah. Right. Be quiet. Nah, I still have a hard time calling what Vin Diesel did to acting. He was there. I mean, he was. He was I still present. remember you talking about the, the. He was present. I still remember you talking about the the car chase scene when he's talking about blowing up the other two people and his facial expression was just like, "Yep." Explosion one. <laughs> I like that scene. John Cena was like, "Man, I'm so sorry, Dom." They they took your son. I messed up. They got your son. And then he was like, why are you so worried about it? 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, we call that Wednesday in this family. No biggie. Let <laughs> <laughs> me pull a Jay-Z in. Dust off my shoulders Dirt off there. the shoulders, yeah. <laughs> I did see an SNL skit about um, Vin Diesel at the movies talking about his Fast and Furious movies. It's really funny. I should, I send that link to you because it's very funny. He says family probably every other word in the skit. It's very funny. That's low-hanging fruit, though. <laughs> True. Going after Vin Diesel and then also saying the word family over and over again is the lowest of hanging fruits when it comes to making fun of the Fast and Furious franchise. Mm. Okay, fair enough. I have standards. Mm. You have to make weird analogies to sex and condoms. <laughs> you know what? It was an effective analogy, though. <laughs> we were like, yep, makes sense. Mm. All right, kids. Have a good night. Remember, don't eat Burger King. Uh. <laughs> Justin, have you had Burger King since we last recorded? I rest my case. I'll comment later. What, in four years, Justin? They won't be open. Give me one to 300 days. And I, I promise you I'm going to go. <laughs> I don't buy it. I'm just saying right now, I don't buy it. You just got to believe me. I just I just got to start going again, get my groove back. Like I was telling Heather. We'll start going. You know, <laughs> and get my groove back. She can get her back groove back. Because she used to love Burger King. She never she once said that, Justin. <laughs> she never once she, said that. She adored. She said she, she ate it. there once. That's not the same. But she adored it. No, she, she didn't. Ate there she said she ate there. That's not the same as adoring it. I was like, I think I got the chicken sticks. I could be wrong. <laughs> chicken fries. You don't even know the name. Chicken See, fries. She did not adore it. <laughs> she she loved it as a child. But I did remember they had Polynesian sauce or sweet and sour sauce. Yeah. They don't she have no damn Polynesian. They are not that cultured at Burger King. <laughs> She vividly remembers her experience, kind of. So I think I think nope. that counts nope. because nope. I need help. You do need help, Justin. <laughs> Not the kind of from Heather, but, you know, of the psychological sort. I just love the idea of you going to a therapist and he and they go, what seems to be the problem? And you go, I just love Burger King so much. And they're like, how much? Like, how much do you eat it? And you go. Never really, but I love it so much. <laughs> they would be like, go ahead and have a seat. This is going to be a maybe, fun one. Maybe Burger King explains Jason's like muffin preferences. What was t- chewy muffins? Uh, chewy <laughs> maybe muffins. that's why. The kind that, everybody maybe, likes. Did you get yeah. them from Burger King? Is that is that why that's what you remember? 
That wasn't even a muffin. It was an egg sandwich, but he's just like, mm, a chewy muffin. Can't tell the difference at this fucking place. Everything tastes the same. Come on, man. Man, I might go. I might drive by there this weekend. Yeah. Drive by, though. I bet you just will literally, drive by, that's Justin. All. <laughs> you, made it, you tried to make it sound just, like you were going to stop there. You're like, no, I'm literally just going to drive by. Just keep going. Just It's fun driving by it though. It's the signage, everything looks so new. It looks brand spanking new. Like I really love when I see it. Question it though, makes Jesse, me feel like does hope, the food you know? does the food taste new? Um, the building. I'm is, asking about the food. Though. Does the food taste new? Does does it taste new? I rest it, my case, Your Honor. It looks like it does. Justin, you haven't seen the food. You haven't even seen the food. It it looks, it appears from the outside of the building, it appears that the food is good. That's so the if the best. building indicates the taste of the food, mm-hmm. Justin's saying it's good stuff. Over yeah, the next the few days, Justin, I'll be going over to my aunt's house. There's a Burger King right around the corner from her. I'll go take a picture of me not eating there. Okay. Please do. <laughs> I will. But he drove by. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, I'm pulling a Jaston with Burger King. Driving by. <laughs> Man, I drove by there at lunchtime and I didn't see any vehicles. I'm not, I'm, I just don't understand. How come nobody's eating there? How come they're never eating there when I drive by? I think I just come at weird times. You just said lunchtime. That is the time there should be the most people. And that was probably also the busiest (laughs) that Burger King's ever been. I love the Justin's like, I came at the wrong time, but you still didn't buy anything. (laughs) I must be driving by at the wrong times. (laughs) (laughs) I just... It's just so weird to me that no one's there when I'm when I'm there. I just I just you're not see there people. though, Justin. You, that's the I problem just, is you're also not there. I'm not. <laughs> you're passing by there. You're not there. You're not at the Burger King. You know what though, Justin? I respect the dedication. If you were driving by there, you wouldn't. And somebody texted you and goes, "Hey, where are you?" You wouldn't say at the Burger King. <laughs> I get to step. I'm driving by BK. I'm driving by BK. I just passed BK. Yeah, but you're not at BK, so don't say when you're there. <laughs> I, I meant like just in spirit, like when I'm driving by, you know, just like that, I want that you to, kinship. I want you to tweet Burger King and say, Burger King, I really love you, but I don't eat there. Is that okay? They just see what they say. They'd probably go, we'd much rather you just actually ate here. And if you went, but I do in spirit. And they go, but but how many dollars does your spirit pay us? <laughs> and you go, well, none. They go, well, can you, can you come in not spirit, like in physical form? Man, it would be millions of spirit dollars, though. If I could give it to them, I would. <laughs> But where do they put that money? In the spirit bank? 
<laughs> It'd be so many dollars. On that spirit How many Wall dollars State. is your spirit paying us? They get all, their stock <laughs> price goes up on Spirit Wall Street. <laughs> I would just, I would give so much to them. I really would. I would just. I You say that, Justin. But, you won't even actually give them a penny. <laughs> you would actually give them a regular penny. I have a hard the time theoretical love that Jackson has dollars because <laughs> you won't even give them a real life penny. You won't even <laughs> just drive by and throw a penny into their parking lot. The dedication, though, to his like theoretical love for Burger King is it's unmatched. <laughs> I that's all it is. So it's theoretical. I'm just gonna I'm gonna try to go by there like maybe if I go by there at eleven AM, that's when everybody's there. How about you, you try going that in right there, time. Justin? Oh. <laughs> Lead by example, Justin. Maybe they'll follow yeah. you in, you know. Maybe it's like a middle school dance. Everybody's embarrassed. They just want to <laughs> see somebody go in there. <laughs> <laughs> they need somebody to go into the dance floor. Of their I just want to drive by and see a jumping, you know. I just want to see everybody happy and. I bet they want out. you to drive by and stop in their drive-through. It didn't <laughs> sound like either one of you are going to get what you want. <laughs> Every time I drive by Whataburger, there's hella cars and people eating there and stuff, and 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 I always have to pass it before I get to Burger King, and I'm like, "Come on, BK, come on!" I'm just really rooting. For it to be the same whenever I drive by the parking lot. And for some reason, I just, like I said, I'm just not timing it right. And nobody's there. I, I, maybe it's because it you're going them. when they're open. Is that the problem? <laughs> Have you tried going after hours to get that BK after dark? See if that's I any just better. Need, I just need to start calling them and asking, are people there? Then I'll know. The, the sad the thing is, Justin, is you would call them and no one would answer the phone because they're not even there. <laughs> I feel like that's the equivalent of like being invited <laughs> to the party and then you're just like, are any of the cool kids going to be there? <laughs> <laughs> if not, I'm going to go to where the cool kids are, a.k.a. McDonald's. <laughs> that would save me a lot of gas and just like mental trouble. Like if I just call them and go, hey, is anyone eating there? No, okay, I'll call again soon. You know, uh, that that might help. You're implying that the employees are even there. You said you drove by and there's no cars there. I don't even know for sure somebody was working. I think maybe they walk or they they use Uber, Uber King or whatever it's called. They use Uber. I feel like I'm now questioning. They can afford ride sharing. I'm also now questioning either one, how close is the Burger King to Jason? Or two, how often are you going there where you're worried about your like your gas <laughs> going there? <laughs> Just driving by to see that no one's there. No, I actually <laughs> kind of back. I actually kind of understand that. Because anytime you drive to a Burger King, it's wasting gas. So I get Jaston's logic. <laughs> Come on. That is not true. I just want to see people. Then go to a McDonald's. You want to love Burger King from a distance is what you want. Go anywhere besides Burger King, Justin. You'll see people. 
But yeah, you just want I you mean, just want to love Burger King at a distance. That's they what just, I'm hearing. They remodeled this and they rebuilt it. Why doesn't anybody respect that like I do? You there don't, though. People. Justin, you haven't even gone inside to see the renovations. Hmm. <laughs> just saying. If you respect it that much, go in there and eat a Whopper, Justin. Go That's, experience a Whopper in the newness. It's a lot of work. I just, I just kind of want to <laughs> know that others are, you know, I, I just kind of want to. I feel like you're in a toxic relationship with Burger King. <laughs> I, I just it's like, I, it's just it's a lot of work. It should not be this difficult. I just want to watch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Justin, the world's only BK voyeurist. <laughs> I just want that same feeling that people have that support Whataburger and stuff. Oh, look, people go there and people like it a lot. And I need to believe that about Burger King. I can't. Okay, Justin, I can't. Time travel back to 1987 then. Man. Should we end this now? Yes. <laughs> Bye. I'm out.